Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Inside pages of the Echo this morning. Page 9, actually, is a very uh, welcome story. The 1,000 euro bonus will go to, um, you know, we call them now correctly, healthcare support assistance. Back in the day, they were home helps, and they're going to get the government's COVID-19 bonus payment as well. So that's welcome. I mean, if people are to get it, of course, it's a pity the line was... Firstly, it caused all sorts of consternation, suggesting and deciding to do it at all. But then drawing the line, of course, caused even more grief. But at least uh, home help assistance will get it a thousand euro tax free. Um, a lot of COVID kind of stories making the papers today. One to do with fake PR, PCR tests. And this is supposedly a well-known Irish celebrity has been arrested under suspicion of using fake PCR tests to go in and out of the country. Uh, somebody with a large profile at home and abroad. This person, supposedly a man in his 40s. That's as much as we know. Now, the guards are involved in this and uh, they're saying that uh, this uh, could release, uh, this could result if there was a guilty uh, verdict found in, well, I'm not assuming that, you know, the guards will investigate and we'll see what happens. But this morning, the Sun is suggesting that that could result in a um, uh, a prison sentence of up to 10 years. Um, we'll have to wait and see what happens in that regard. Um, well, the Russians are coming, but they have moved, as you probably heard in the radio news, and that's picked up in all of the papers. All they're doing now is moving to a different zone, further west, further out. But it's a victory for the fishermen. And internationally, West Cork fishermen are very much in the news. See Mia Farrow yesterday saying... Don't mess with the Irish. It's a, a story that made all the international news networks, including Fox News, including CNN, including Sky. And, um, you know, it's the, I mean, I know that even the fishermen themselves are saying that to some extent Simon Coveney was responsible for helping. But they have moved further away now, the Russians, um, but they're now over um, transatlantic cables. <laughs> so that causes another issue. It's a, it's a victory for the fishermen who flexed their muscles, spent, spelt M-U-S-S-E-L-S in this morning's mirror. But they're over cables now. And of course, with explosions, they could damage the cables. So who, hell, who the hell knows what's going on there? Uh, but certainly seems to be a victory uh, for the fishermen. Um, with regards to, um, you know, it's very interesting because by and large now, um, you know, social distancing is gone in the workplace. Okay, pods are gone in the workplace. Uh, wearing masks are gone in the workplace. But there doesn't seem to be any huge sweeping return to the office just yet. More people are on the move in one or two particular areas. And one of the things they found... According to uh, the um, Independent this morning, Adrian Weckler took a look at um, what Google are reporting with regards to people's movements. And he says that Ireland's pandemic converted huge amounts of people to sea swimming and other outdoor recreations. And that resulted in a 35% rise in visits to the beaches over the past year or two. Everybody got into sea swimming, apparently. A lot of people went to, obviously, you'd expect more people to go to, to public parks, but that's the only kind of increase you could see. Like restaurants and cafes haven't returned to full strength. It's hard to get staff for them. Movement to and from work is also way, way down across the country, and that's also resulting then in a, in a continued decrease in the use of public transport. Uh, but more and more people supposedly will be going back to work. But again, more will decide to continue to work from home and others will go for a hybrid option. It is also today, apparently, according to, I was reading it this morning in, in Marie Claire, they were saying this is the day, it's, an, it's a UK story, but I imagine it probably also relates to here. The 31st of January is the day that most British people will hand in their notice 
and go looking for a new job. Uh, so that's a kind of an interesting one, isn't it? That uh, this day, usually the last you know day of January, particularly if it falls on a Monday, is the day that most people say, nah, I need a change. And more and more people, of course, are choosing to change after the two years of COVID. They're re-evaluating their life as it was. I wonder if you're amongst them. Text 0868104106. Um, and of course, with regards to the amount of money that's spent within our health system, papers this morning pick up on the HSC boss, Paul Reed. We, we know that he's got an army chauffeur. Um, well, he's being driven around in an army chauffeur. Apparently, he also has a company car, uh, which is uh, a 60,000 euro BMW. It's one of the SUV models, you know, the BMW X1. So he's got that one. So he's got the company car, which is the free one that sits at home from the HSE. And then he's got the army chauffeur in another vehicle. Uh, so that, uh, it's, it's actually, sometimes you just couldn't make this stuff up. Also, like the end of this morning says that... Um, Despite enforced closures across much of hospitality uh, during uh, COVID, there were still quaffing pints in the Leinster House bar. Hundreds of pints and shots were served in Leinster House last year, despite the enforced closure of much of the hospitality sector during the period. And they drill into the different bars in there. Apparently there's a member's bar and then there's a visitor's bar. And the thing that's very, very popular there apparently is um, pints of Guinness. Cork Dry Gin did, the, did very well, actually. You know, and there's so many gins on offer now in pubs everywhere. It's good to see that Cork Dry Gin is still flexing his gin muscles. It was the favourite spirit, apparently. The favourite, um, um, I suppose, short, if you like, within the Dahl Bar. And they break it down into the tens of thousands a month of euro that were spent across the Dahl Bar, implying in the papers this morning at a time when much of hospitality was actually closed. A lot of different scam stories this morning for you. The Star, for instance, I, I don't understand why they're even bothering with this story because we all know that scammers clone phone numbers. We all know that they pretend to be from your bank. We all know that they hijack the bank's numbers. So apparently it's been happening a lot to PTSB. Their numbers have been cloned by hackers. And also, Daniel O'Donnell makes the papers. He's had to go online and give a, a warning to his fans that his Facebook page has been hacked. He had to make a video pleading with the fans, not to, with his fans, not to engage with any of the hoaxers. So there you have it. Uh, here on Lee's side, um, Ken O'Flynn, the councillor, makes the news because he's absolutely uh, losing his the plot because of the amount of um, you know dogs that are roaming around individually or also in packs. Several. Uh, animals um, also have been uh, hurt or injured or killed because of other dogs attacking them. That's a front page of making the echo. And there's also clearly a fear of small children with these packs of dogs running loose in the city. Love to hear from you guys if you've got any updates or have any examples of that. Again, text 0868104106. And the papers also say that it is possible to encourage carnivores, not necessarily, I suppose, to become vegetarians, but to perhaps maybe... Um, choose a vegetarian option from time to time. As long as it's not nut roast. Every single time I've tried nut roast, I've thought to myself, could anything be as awful as a nut roast? But I suppose there's lots more on menus now. Anyway, the idea is, according to the mail, is if you put more vegetarian options on menus, then people who are carnivores might be might be tempted to try it from time to time. So it's a subtle tactic, but it could well win. Talking about tactics, I don't know whether you watched Rafa yesterday in the Medvedev game. Five and a quarter hours at the age of 35. Now, statistically, it can now be proven that he is the greatest tennis player of all time. 21 Grand Slams. And after a year and a half of injury, it was incredible. I mean, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. 
many heart attacks yesterday. My chest was actually pounding watching it at the Rod Laver Arena, but he got it across the line eventually. It was an incredible match, one of the greatest I've ever seen. If you're a tennis fan, I'm sure you'll agree with that. And in a world where we become much more conscious of, um, you know, anxiety and distress and mental health, I see in the English Times this morning that they're going to put a warning now on the Charles Dickens novel, Oliver Twist. Uh, a lot of the book, of course, is dominated by crime, poverty, murder, prostitution, child abuse, domestic violence, racial prejudice. There's a lot going on in Oliver Twist, so much so now that they're putting a warning. Universities have issued a warning regarding Oliver Twist that it may cause anxiety or distress um, to students who will read it. Papers this morning deal with that in quite some detail. Um, also, I have to say um, there's um, an awful lot of building going on, a lot of construction going on. That's got to be a good thing. Not so sure as to whether the... Um, the Aldi proposal down in Mahan will ever get across the line because it was refused. It's very big and it's very tall and you'll have the Aldi supermarket and on top of it then apparently you'll have mixed-use development which will be like 29 residential units on top of it and a cafe. So quite wide and quite tall. Uh, that was knocked back but the developers are now appealing it again. It'll be very close actually to super value and not too far from another. Is it an Aldi already I think or is it a Lidl? I think it's an Aldi already that's down uh, around uh, Blackrock Hall. Uh, but apparently the big problem with it is its massive scale, they're saying. The issue with it really is its height. Uh, and the reason it was knocked back originally because it was said that it was result in overshadowing all the adjoining properties around it. <laughs> like they'd get no sun, perhaps no daylight. It's an interesting one. Be interested to see what happens there at Appeal, won't it? The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco Home Delivery. Extra delivery slots now open across Cork. Book today at tesco.ie. Uh, anyway, you can text 0868104106. Hope the weekend went well for you. You had a good time and you managed to get out and enjoy it a bit. But, you know, um, I was telling you last week that they figure that as we head into the new year, we're well and truly into it now and soon we'll be in February. They're talking about up to one and a half million passport applications. And that's why last week... There were calls for the passport office to go back to full opening, full staff. I mean, some mercy is suggesting that they should also be doing seven days at the passport office. I mean, I'm not saying that the workers, but some kind of a shift pattern or that they should even think about opening or trying to protest, process passports on a 12-hour 12 12 day basis, such as the backlog. So that's an incredible amount of passport applications because more and more people now are going to be taking the dive and going to decide to go on a sun holiday for the first time in maybe three or four years. And with that in mind, then, of course, they're looking at the passport. So they have kids with no passports and they're finding to their horror that they need one. Well, if you thought the last two years were bad with regards to passports, think again. The months ahead are going to be an absolute nightmare. I can tell you that. Lorraine, good morning. Hi Neil, how are you? And you're caught in that nightmare, aren't you? Oh, I'm in a big nightmare now at the moment. Um, my little girl is supposed to be flying out tomorrow at 12 o'clock to go to Lanzarote with her dad. I think there's a party, is there, is there a 40th yeah, or something? Yeah, it's 50th. A 50th? They're, they're just marking it and there's 40 of them going and Brooke is the only one. Lanzarote, oh what an exciting thing to be doing, huh? Yeah, so I sent off for her passport on the 1st of December, a renewal. And I sent up everything that they asked for and they said they needed additional information, but they never told me what. So I emailed them, rang them, couldn't get in contact with them for the whole month of January. 
got on to Andrea's Moynihan's office last week and Colette, she was absolutely fantastic. She went above and beyond for me. Yeah, and I'd say a lot of TDs offices are dealing with yeah, passports on a daily basis. And she got on to them and she, they told her, like, they actually, Colette told me to ring after three o'clock because that's the time that they pick up the phone, three to four. So I kept on ringing, ringing, ringing and eventually got through and I told them cancel her passport because online, because I booked... I couldn't speak to anybody. I, I actually booked an appointment inside in the city for Tuesday morning. So, it's, so thank you for that. The passport office in Cork is open by appointment only, is it? Yeah, so I paid 120 euros on Monday because no one was picking up the phone to me to speak to me. So I just booked an online appointment and they refunded me on Tuesday morning at 10 to 9 saying that, well, they didn't refund me. I'd be waiting 30 days for that. They just said that your application is cancelled because you have an online application. And I was like, oh, my God. So I rang, eventually got through to the passport office on Tuesday and I told them, cancel her online application and can you send me a um, confirmation email that is cancelled? She said to me that I'd be waiting 48 hours and I said, that's fine. I said, I'll get her four-day turnover in the city because I have all her paperwork. On and is it a four-day turnover if you get an appointment? yeah. yeah. You get an appointment, no problem, because there's slot times there. And yeah. you're given the hatch number, the whole lot. And I have all our paperwork on top of the table, and I have yet to receive that email. That you, it's, it's not cancelled. What was the €120 Euro for? To go in and do her four-day turnover. Okay, okay. That's and the cost of someone. Yeah, seeing someone, yeah. processing it at the counter, yeah. and getting the passport. And plus, and plus, I paid for her online one as well. That was another €25. Euro. I paid €145 Euro for nothing. Okay, and just explain, why did you cancel the online one? Because it was taking so long, is it? It was taking so long, and I said, I'll get the four-day turnover, because I've all, I went to the but that was last Thursday. Monday. That was last Tuesday. Tuesday. I cancelled her online. Right, and when, online and when did you have the appointment at the passport office? Tuesday morning, they cancelled Wednesday, Thursday. So, yeah, but you started the process of the physical one at the office on the Tuesday? Yeah. Wednesday, thought, Thursday, Friday. So you should be getting it, so this is the fourth day. Yeah. Yeah. Today, I would have I would have had it today if they sent me the email and they never sent it to me. She still has an online application which I cancelled last Tuesday. And what? But you went in, didn't you? You spoke to them. I, and you co- started- I couldn't go in. I couldn't go in. They cancelled me. They cancelled my appointment on Tuesday morning at ten to nine. Why? Don't know because I have an online application apparently, but they don't pick up the phone to me, so I didn't know what to do. I just had to book an appointment to see someone. So what are you going to say to Brooke? Oh, don't even go there. She's, she kind of knows, and she knows I'm trying my best to get her on the plane. She does know. And I'm after getting on to 10 TDs. Andrew Smoynihan, Colm Kelleher, Michael, Michal Martin, Kenneth O'Flynn, Thomas Gould, Minister for Transport, Eamon Ryan, Mary Lou, Simon Coveney, Michael McGrath. The Minister for Transport is after emailing me back saying that they're sending it over to um, Foreign Affairs for me this morning. Sending what Michael over? Kelleher. Um, the email. To All right, okay, head. not the passport. The, what, no, did no, you, no. So you never, you never actually physically went into the mall then? No, because I don't know if they'll see me. I could be standing outside the door for hours and they mightn't see me because you don't have an appointment. You have Why to did have they cancel? Yeah, you told them, you know, I, I know the whole thing is very confusing for anyone trying to follow very this. You, you, can, you asked them to cancel the online because it was taking too yeah. long. You get an yeah. appointment, go in and get the four day turnaround. Yeah. So you booked the four day turnaround thinking that they'd cancel the online. Then you realized yeah. they didn't cancel the online and the four day turnaround yeah. appointment got cancelled because you had the online. Yeah. 
Yep. Oh, That's for it. God's sake. And all I want is an email back to say that it's cancelled and I was supposed to get that by Thursday and I never got it. Well... It's <sighs> their mistake, not mine. Well, you did all the... Th- yeah, no, you yeah. did everything right in, in your regard and it's poor old Brooke now won't get to the... Um, the 50th yeah, like birthday. Her little cousin up in Dublin, her, her mom pass, um, sent off for her passport. She's only, like, she's one in the summer, May, and she sent back, back in September, and she still doesn't have her passport. From yet. September to now. Let's, let's yeah. say this is pretty much February now. Yeah, and that's her first time passport, and she's still waiting. Boy is still waiting on and her. And the end. amount of people now that are going to be applying and waiting is going to go, oh. probably has gone way up now because, you know, yeah. more people are people very, are scared, more people are comfortable now about going overseas, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Do you think Brooke, so even, do you think Brooke knows at this stage? Bar a miracle. A miracle, that's what we're hoping for. I don't think I'm going to get one, but. I don't know, should you just go in? What if they don't see me then, you see that? Even if I could meet someone at TV or something to stand outside with me and just say, look, deal with this. You could, they told me I can get emergency passport if I have proof that someone is dead over there. Yeah, it would be compassionate grounds. A yeah. 50th birthday wouldn't be deemed as that. But there's special circumstances here, particularly the weight that you've had. And I have, I have her travel, I have her travel time, the whole lot. I have all her information ready to rock and roll. And all I, they need to give me, even a, a passport card would do her. Do you actually still have a live application at all, though? It's still... It's still... Online. Um, I'm still la- online. And can you see online where, yeah. that, where it's at? No, it just says issue by date. You know, when you, when you put in her... Actually, no, that's, that's you, what you want to be seeing is printing. It doesn't say printing. Oh, it doesn't say printing because they're looking for additional um, information and I don't know what they're looking for. I don't know whether their pictures went wrong. I don't know because they never got back. It to seems it. as if you've been on to so many people. I mean, yeah. like you know, I'm, I'm quite sure that Brenda's calling the passport office. Perhaps she's already oh, done, yeah, but she has, you know yeah. what I mean. But uh, like, I just wonder would it be would it make sense for you to just physically go down to the door? Yeah, I don't know. I, don't I mean, do. what do you think? Like, this is there's I, a I, I, I'm going to try. There's I'm a security guard there, and if the security, if you if you get the right person at the right time, they just might let you in. You know? Yeah, I I might just do, I will go in. I am going to go in and I'm just going to say, look, can I just leave these with someone? Can you get me something? But I need it by 12 o'clock tomorrow. She's flying at 12. Oh, sure, I know. I know. But where would it actually be physically printed? Cork? In Dublin. But I will get someone to collect that. You would, you see, yeah. That'd be no problem, yeah. Look, I mean, where, like, imagine Brenda's probably is is on it, but, um, you know, I, I would also go in if I were you and, you know, maybe... Maybe with our little bit of help, and you know, we've been emailing yeah, back and so forth. Much. And but you know, I, I would say go in at the same time. You know, yeah, I'm going to go in there now. Um, I'd give it a shot, Lorraine. I really yeah, would. Yeah, yeah. I'm afraid, just in case they tell me to go away. Or but at least you'll you know? have tried. Yeah, yeah. And we'll see if yeah, we get anything back in the next few hours or whatever. And even, then, like, even if the online application was cancelled, I can hand in all her forms that are on top of the table there now. Just to get her sorted I'd say bring everything with you yeah I am I am oh I'm bringing it and if do I that anyway will you and let's see if yeah. that makes a difference and we'll see what happens yeah. across the morning alright yeah thanks Neil alright so what thank are you thanking you so me much. for we're just fingers crossed and hope it works out it'd be very disappointing for Brooke an 11 year old thinking she's off to Lanzarote to a family birthday party and then to be told 
Sorry, it ain't happening. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. That's why Mam says at 11 years of age, try and tell her that at this stage, and of course she's very disappointed about all of this, that she's the only person that's not allowed to go of the 40 travelling, and I'm sure everybody will be disgusted there that she's not able to go, and the blame game is beginning with this sorry mess. I can't emphasise enough the way the passport office conducts their business, and once again, it's their fault and nobody else's. And she says, shame on them, says she. Um, Not everybody is happy with what's going on with regards to either passports, the same issue at the moment with things like uh, driving licenses, I see. Uh, I'm writing to ask some advice. Uh, My daughter recently passed her driving test after 12 lessons with a registered driving instructor at 40 euro each and two pre-tests at another 40 euro each. It was only when she passed and was given a certificate of competency that she was told she couldn't drive unaccompanied until she had the physical driver's license. Basically, she had to pretend she hasn't passed the test until she actually physically has the card. So we booked the next appointment at the NDLS Centre to apply for the licence and it turns out that we can't get an appointment until the start of March. They're not doing walk-ins due to COVID, which is ridiculous, as restrictions have been removed in most areas of life now. Her, her, um, her bus is an example. It's full of people. She can't apply online for the NDLS centre as she doesn't have a public service card. And she was told she won't get an appointment for one of those because she isn't claiming social welfare. And that needing a licence is not a reason to get a public service card. So, after all that time, learning how to drive, money spent to get the lessons and insurance, etc., she still can't drive to college for at least two months. It's a two-hour bus journey to college for her. Uh, anybody been through this? Any of your listeners has experience with this? Um, just should I just let her drive away? Uh, is this an NDLS rule, or do the insurance companies condone this? Um, the insurance companies, I don't think, would get involved in this. Um, she probably would get grief from um, the guardie if she was ever stopped. So, telling her that she should just drive away in it clearly isn't legal, and that basis on that basis alone, I certainly couldn't recommend that. That should be the advice that you give. Uh, your daughter, um, I think it wouldn't be a problem for the insurance company, but I think it would be a problem with regards to the rules of the road and the Garda Shikana. She'd be asked for a license, right? And she'd be told, if you haven't got it with you, produce it to a Garda station within what? Is it like 10 days or something? And she doesn't produce it to a Garda station within 10 days. What follows then is she will get a summons to go to court. So just bear that in mind. Meanwhile, Richard, good morning. Hi, good morning, how are you? Another another example, um, and believe me, this is only going to be the real start of it with passports. What's your own situation? Well, I, I basically applied back in November, November the 7th or 11th or whatever it was, uh, because I had to go through the on-post system, and back then um, the passport office's website said it was going to take eight weeks for any on-post um, applications. And that was the, they're thought- the dearer applications, aren't they? Um, I think at the same price. I didn't check out the the, the price. Um, Isn't I, there I, a speed back in the back in the good old days? There was a speedier way of getting a passport, wasn't there? Yeah, you're passport right. Passport Express was. or something like that. Yeah, that I mean it, that's what it's called. It's called Passport Express through Unpass. Yeah, and it's it's the only way you can do it if you have this extra documentation that you can't submit online. Okay. And that's what I had to do. Okay. I had no other option. Had yours expired or what was it? No, it, might, it was my son's passport, and his had expired over the um, during the pandemic. Right, and obviously through lockdown, the passport office closed, and I had to. Um, it was a family law issue, so I had to apply for court to 
you know. Yeah, so I won't go into the detail of that, yeah, but between yeah, the jigs so and the reels, you, anyway, you applied on so, November 7th. Exactly. Yeah. I had to jump through, jump through a load of hoops to, to get to the, even just applying for the passport and sent it off thinking, right, eight weeks, uh, we're flying away in 12, 12 and a half weeks, so eight weeks should be grand. And so I sent it off and the eight weeks passed on January the 3rd and no passport. But you do, I don't know whether you knew back then that everybody knew of the dates they were talking about, that the passport, but nobody took it serious enough because they weren't accurate dates, you know, the turnaround times and things. Well, this is the thing. It's, uh, that, that's, that's why I'm so annoyed. You know, listen, if, 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 you know, if, if you're working in the passport office and you know that you're under pressure, then amend the dates on the website. Do you know? Yeah. So the, the people at least have an idea. The, the, the date was one thing, but it bare no relationship at all with reality. That's the thing. No, nothing. And so, um, and besides the fact, you know, I, 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 my own view is the passport office is an essential service and should never have shut down. Now, I can also I mean, tell you that because I was reading, I was chatting with Lorraine there a while ago. They do have a, pr- a passport printing machine in Cork. So, oh, do they? Yes. Yeah. I, it was an examiner story that I came across um, yeah. Actually, it's only from it's only from yesterday, because there right. are calls now for a second passport printing machine in Cork. So there's clearly one there. It's not as okay. if your passport has to come from Dublin anymore. They can print it okay. in Cork. Sorry, go ahead yeah. anyway. Yeah. So yeah, so I, I, I my experience was that, you know the third of January passed, and I thought right, give them a couple more days. Nothing happened. So then I phoned them up again. It was a nightmare to get through their phone lines, but you know you're on like first of all it just keeps ringing out, and then finally you 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 know you're on a queue system and you're waiting 40 minutes to get to actually speak to somebody. And when I finally did, the guy, the guy was nice and, you know, went through the whole application. He mentioned on the application that we were flying away on, on the 4th of February. He found your application, and obviously. He did, yeah. And he said, yeah, no, that's fine. It's with a checker. Um, I'll put a note on the file and they'll hopefully check it. And I said, well, how long is it going to be then before we get it? And he said, oh, probably two weeks. So I was like, okay, we're still good. We're, you know, we've got four weeks or whatever it was. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. And the two weeks passed and I waited another day or so. And then I started to get very worried because, you know, it was, there were even friends of ours who were screaming for their passports and, and, and having difficulties. And that's when I got very worried because the first time around, at least the phone rang and you got connected to a waiting, a waiting list. This time around, which would have been last Tuesday, um, the answering service on the passport office was, all our lines are busy, call back another time. It wasn't even, you got onto a waiting list. And so, you know, I spent the whole day just phoning this number. Uh, their web chat never worked, like, at all. And I tried that gazill- gazillion times as well. Mm. Anyway, I just, I was like a, a, a terrier. I just wouldn't let, let go of this phone, and I kept kept phoning and finally I got a slot, finally got talking to somebody and um, you know again he's like oh yeah I see your application it's with a checker you know nothing new and the worst part of that conversation was he just said look we can't guarantee you're going to get it in time and that's when I started to freak. Did you, you know? freak? You freaked with him is it? I did, no no I, I, I look I I, I I just realized everyone has a job to do and, you know, it's not necessarily their fault. I didn't freak with him, but I freaked internally because I felt, Jesus, I've, I've done this. I, I, you know, I, I did all, I did everything they asked and I gave an extra four weeks. It wasn't like I left this down to the wire, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's a lot of stress. It's a big, it's a big trip. 
We're seeing family abroad. When is that? Uh, uh, it's, we're leaving on the 4th. We're hopefully leaving on the 4th of February. We are leaving on the 4th of Where February. Where are you going? We're going to Costa Rica, would you believe? Um, I have my sister living out there with her family for the year. And then my partner's daughter is flying down from uh, Arizona. We haven't seen since before lockdown. And uh, her other daughter is flying out there as That's well. That's Friday. Morning, so. It is. Now, having said all of that and all of the stress, while I was waiting for you on the phone, uh, the door knocked and there was the postman and I actually have it. <laughs> you kept the best bit to last. I was, I, well, I just, you know, and, and the crazy thing Isn't is... Isn't that incredible? Is that just while you're pretty much knowing you're coming on the air in 10 minutes, the passport arrives. Well, well tw- 20 minutes ago, I went online to, again, check the checker and it's still printing. So there's a disconnect between the online page and what happens in real life and what happens on the phone. That's uh, why uh, That's why the advice all along was take no notice of whatever it was saying with regards to updates, etc., you know? Okay, yeah. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Poor so, old Lorraine would be tearing her hair out listening to your story. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Well, I, I've been tearing my... I mean, even even this morning, I'm thinking, oh God, they have to, it's still printing. Are we going to see this printing notification go on <laughs> right until the day we leave, you know? Oh no, that's great So That's great yeah, for you. Awful, yeah, it is. I, I and what do you like put it down to? I, you're saying dogged determination. I'd say just pure luck. I mean, I, 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 when, I, when I started freaking last Tuesday, I... I got really determined and mad, and I actually wrote a, a you, your researcher Brenda would have got it. I wrote a a, a, a story of of my experience, and I literally, first of all, I fired it off to the um, press office of the Department of Foreign Affairs, saying, "Listen, this is my experience. What's your comment?" You know, hoping that that might move things along, and I got a very general message yeah. reply. Yeah. Well, we've hired extra staff, and blah blah blah. And so, uh, you know, I, I felt I didn't get any any hints that they were doing anything. So then I fired it off to every radio station, every, every well, newspaper. It, uh, I don't know whether any of that made a difference or whether it was just potluck, but you got it I and you're no traveling. Idea. Yeah, that's the most I important got it thing. And we're traveling. And <laughs> now, you know, now now we're basically going to hunker down between now and Thursday. So we don't literally, you know, there's no COVID symptoms going to happen in this house. Before <laughs> Good man, Richard. You know? Good man. Uh, anyone want to call around? Sorry. Go away. <laughs> Have a great trip. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> Cheers. That Examiner article said calls have been made to set up a second passport printing machine in Cork to deal with a massive influx of applications already this year. As the country reopens and families rush to book foreign summer holidays, the passport office is set to be flooded with up to 1.7 million applications in the coming weeks and months alone. And of course, it would make a huge difference. Um, in fact, they're saying, some senator within Fine Gael recently said that they need to upscale the passport office service. He said the passport office should operate seven days a week, up from the current five days a week, to at least attempt to clear the backlog. And they need to hire more staff. But don't you think that the first simple thing you can do, but they're not very good in government with regards to printing machines, as we probably know already. But the first thing that will make a difference is it would double the amount of passports being sent out if they doubled the amount of printing machines. There's one in Cork, and a simple request is to make it at least two. 
Anyway, text 0868104106 back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco and the Good Grub Initiative, helping to feed school children in need. Tesco, every little helps. Uh, by text, you're very right about don't mess with the Irish. The Russians wouldn't want to mess with us Irish. We have many surface-to-air potato missiles at the ready. <laughs> well, the fishermen made a difference. Um, uh, apparently, many people are thinking that this is all to do with the Russians wanting to just antagonize the Americans and the Brits. Don't forget, it's not only Cork, it also includes Kerry Waters as well in the south. Yes, of course it does. It's galling to see the huge Spanish articulated trucks beating down the link road to the ferry ports, loaded down with Irish fish going to the continent. And the irony is Spain contributes nothing to the European kitty, says Don. Listen, do we really believe anything the Russians would tell us? My sister-in-law is Russian, and no way would I mention Putin as she turns into a real hot-tempered Russian defending him. Uh, And somebody asking the simple question, why can't they blow up their own waters rather than coming over here at all? Some of the rockets won't even work. Some will go up, some will just explode like a firework, some will sink to the bottom and just lie there. Well, of course, the update there is that they're moving a little further away. And of course, that would be deemed as being a victory uh, for the fishermen because they were, this went international and that made a huge difference. Now, CNN picks up on something like this, of course, as they did, not to mention Sky and everybody else. Uh, people tend to sit up and t- take notice. So a good result in that regard. Should they be there at all in the first place? I think many people would think absolutely not. A lot of texts and we'll come back to them. So text 0868104106. But just as a by the way, uh, David, were you watching the match yesterday, the tennis? Good morning, Neil. Did you watch it? I watched the whole game, yeah. My day was completely written off because of it. Five and a half hours later. <laughs> well, I would imagine only Neil, if you went into a bookies yesterday, after the, after the second set, you probably would have got four or five hundred to one and Nadal winning the match, I'd imagine anyway. Well, do you know, did you see this win predictor that they have, W-I-N predictor, a win predictor? It's kind of a computer, yeah, yeah. they look at, they look at the games of the two players, this computer system, right. and it seems that 97% swing for yeah. Medvedev to win before the match started. In the start of the fifth set, he was still 96% expected yeah, to win. Yeah, and, and Nidal was 4%. percent i see that, yeah. Correct, yeah. 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 Bizarre. An absolutely but, but, bizarre but, match. But the first thing I said, you know, Neil, when I watched it yesterday morning, around 9 o'clock, five past 9, it started, and I looked at the clock in the stadium, and the clock said um, 8.05. Now, was that, is that, was that 8.05, I presume? Was it 8.05 at night time? It was, which would have been 5 past 9 oh. in the morning, Irish. Right. So, like, isn't that, you would imagine that's the right day to be starting a, a five-step match, like, in the evening, the 8 o'clock in the evening. Yeah, right? well, they, they, they do, I suppose. They have... Well, um, they do it, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, not 3 o'clock. Don't know the reason for that. I honestly mm-hmm. don't know. I mean, different tournaments have different finals. They do it in the afternoon in some places. They do it at night in others. Big, the yeah. night games are very popular because the atmosphere is incredible. And, and, and yeah, and it's cooled down. It's supposed to and it's up. cooled but down, too, have, yeah. The reason I bring in is that Medvedev, no, he's a great player. I'll give him that. Like, but having said that, he's, he kind of reminds me long going on the, the snooker of Steve Davis. He's stone faced. He's cold. None of the fans in the stadium like him. No, you know, he's he's just he has no personality. He's just stone cold. But when the final was over yesterday, Neil, I know. Did you see the presentation? I did. Yeah, I saw him mouthing the word boring. Yeah, uh, did you spot that? I, I spotted it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think he should be reprimanded for that. I think he, he should be made apologize to the lady. She was just after heaping lots of I have to tell you, Dave, she spoke for way too long. I was thinking to myself, oh my God. I know, but yeah, but I mean, like, with the time he said boring, 
she was she's talking about him. She said he had an amazing tournament. He's an amazing player. Fair enough. He should appreciate that. And he looked up to the sky with his eyes. I don't want to be here. I want to get out of here. She's boring. Did you notice you know, as think, well that when Medvedev was thanking people, he never thanked the fans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I suppose, but the, could you blame him? But sport to sport, like, I understand that. I can, understand, I can see your point. But sport to sport, Neil, and look, there's a winner and there's a loser. But he was and treated it, appallingly, Dave, by the fans. Yeah, but, 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 but I mean, but that's, I think that's his own uh, downfall because he's bringing that on himself. Because he just, he just, um, he did. The they, they, did it to, they did it to Berrettini as well. Some guy shouted for at Berrettini, nobody right. likes you here. What the hell's yeah, the problem? I, well, that was one guy, like, but I mean, but I mean, the thing is, he should... I don't want to be, I don't, I don't mean to insult Australians. I really and truly don't. But watching... But if, you if you can't accept defeat, if, if you're a sports person in any sport... They boo. And you, they boo all of the time. They're shouting. They shout between points. They boo the person that they want to lose. They, they're I'm totally talking, partisan when they have support I, for it. I'm talking about he's a bad loser. If you can't accept defeat, you should not be playing the game in any sport. He, sport is there to be enjoyed and, and there has to be a winner, there has to be a loser. If you lose, like if you lose a play half hole in golf, okay, next week you're in a new goal and you start off and play again. You don't, you, I you, you know what you're saying. Play. I just felt very sorry for him because I thought he was, he was their behaviour was atrocious. I mean, you, you, like you, during the week, security guards were mo- removing people from their seats and throwing them out. Yeah, well, they, they, even in the, the doubles final there, that's... Um, so, like, like, uh, Curios actually had to go into the crowd and... Um, that's right. And, yeah. and, and try and get it, uh, one or two spectators removed. What's wrong with them, like? I just don't get it. So I, can, I felt yeah. very sorry for Medvedev. He, he was fighting not only in the Dal, but the entire, the entire stadium... Well, yeah, but I mean, like you look at Darkovich, no one likes him, and that's his own fault. He, he, he's, he's, he's very arrogant, he's very, you know, he's, that's the type of person he is, and people don't like that. And, you, just, you, you know, it's like there's, there's dark players, there's snooker players that people can't stand because they don't have a personality, and they bring it on themselves. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, you bring it on yourself and the way you behave and everything, and maybe that's some part of the reason why people were booing. But, but booing. I do think he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have, to the woman like that, that, Keeps a lot of praise on him at the time. He shouldn't have said boring, you know. I mean, I thought that was very insulting to the woman. Like. You need, you know, whether you like it or not, you need characters like Medvedev and you need characters like um, Kyrgios. They're box office. People love well, all the drama associated with Well, them. you need a character like John McEnroe. He was box office. You, well, and yeah, you but the, these guys but are... Like, I mean, yeah, but he mean, McEnroe had a personality, like, but this guy, this guy is stone cold face. He's, he don't even, he don't even open his mouth. Like, he just... Yeah. You know, he just. I, 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 I mean, if Nadal wasn't wasn't in the final yesterday, he'd be he'd be my second favorite player at the moment. I think he's an incredible tennis player. In fact, I believe he's going to move from number two in the world to number one in the world this week now. Um, well, when the first set was over, Neil, and the sweat was pouring out of Nadal, I turned around and I said, "He, he'll be beaten in straight sets. Uh, if he don't win the first two sets, win the two, he don't win the first two sets." Then it's the best of three. I know how he did it. I have no but idea how he pulled it because you can't win a Grand Slam final with the second serve and that's all. Nadal had no first serve at all. And Medvedev yeah, was serving rockets. Yeah, but you, you, listen now to the one I'm going to make a very important point. You know, Neil, he got three aces in the whole match, right? That's all, yeah. But, but, yeah, but the most important thing in tennis is your first serve yeah. and aces, right? But more important than the first serve is when you get in, just tight, when you get in your first serve, 
Like, it, it, it's okay. You get your first serve in the very first point of the game. But if you're looking for a first serve at a crucial time to win a game, to win a, a set, that's when the first serve is important. <laughs> and you got, you got three yeses yesterday, and you got two of them when they were really needed, when he was in trouble. And, that's, and he got them. It was an the incredible. Right it was an, I mean, it was, it was an incredible achievement at his age and a year and a half injured. Who would have thought it? And you are right. Um, if anybody had, had money on Nadal, they'd have made an awful lot of dots. Oh, he'd have made a fortune. He, he would have been 500 to 1 after two sets. Yeah. No. yeah. And if you look at the ladies' final Saturday, which, uh, which I was in shock, after he won the first set, 6-3, cruise, cruise through it, and she won the first game in the second set, and then lost the next five. That's right. She was five one down. That's right. And she came back and won seven uh, five. It was a great weekend. It really and truly was. I, I don't you think Mac, I don't. Again. I don't know how McElroy, or how did McElroy get on. Was he? Uh, did he have a? Yeah, he was. Uh, he went into the water in the last. That's the last what I heard. Moment. He missed a six or seven foot push for to go into the playoff and. Um, finished all that alright ok ok all right, my man appreciate it take care text 0868104106 uh, we're talking about Tusker uh, last week which probably was a missile strike the Tusker rock crash is the first air disaster that National Geographic has never covered in their air crash investigation series it makes you wonder why says Paddy good point my dad was on naval ve- on the Irish naval vessel he was the coxswain, uh, Fred Cullen. He told me some of the stories regarding the Tusker Rock disaster. Here's a very interesting one regarding Tusker Rock. Uh, I listened with great interest to Mr. McCormick's story about his brother who died on the St. Phelan. I flew on the St. Phelan from Shannon to Manchester only 17 hours before it crashed with the very same cabin crew on board. The plane then came back to Cork on Saturday night to take up the Sunday morning flight to London, says Redmond and Middleton. I didn't notice anything wrong with the plane when I was on it. And you know what? There probably wasn't anything wrong with the plane. And just one fast one in the ever-changing world. It was telling you on Friday that they're thinking of making at least one Only Fools and Horses. Not a series, but perhaps one of the Christmas specials or what have you. They're all mad keen to do it. Uh, And I was giving examples as to why Only Fools and Horses probably won't get made because of the type of humour in it, things you would never get away with now. Thank you to the texter. I don't know any name. It says, another Del Boy action they definitely wouldn't get away with now is his and Marlene's flirtatious ways. The smack on the bum. The wolf whistling. I still love to watch Del Boy. It reminds me of a simpler time, living at home, watching my dad, and the two of us just sitting there and laughing away. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number, 0818-104-106. Yes, indeed. Just a fast one this side of 10 o'clock. Katie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm great. So on Friday morning, you were dropping your sisters at the airport, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. What happened next? So um, we were cutting a kind of uh, fine for time. And um, uh, next thing I noticed my car was kind of acting a bit funny. So I had to pull in and I had a flat tire. Um, so just before you get to the airport and um, I had my six month old baby in the back of the car as well because she had an appointment in the COH. So there so was yourself, your six month old and your sister trying to catch a plane. Well, it was just my sister catching the plane. Yeah. And, oh, I know uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With yeah. only minutes so, uh, to spare kind of thing. That's it. We <laughs> were really, really cutting it fine. So um, I told her to grab her suitcase and um, start humming. But just as it happened, a lorry and a van uh, pulled in in front of us. 
So she ran to the van and asked the man, would he mind dropping her to the airport? And no problem. He rushed her there and she made her flight. Amazing. Fair play to him. Yeah, and um, before I knew it, the lorry driver just came over. The ground was wet and everything, but he'd no problem, and he just started changing my tyre for me. You actually no had questions. a spare. Nobody has a spare anymore, did you? <laughs> I, I do, but the thing is, it's up under the car, and I couldn't find how to even release it. He did all of it for me, so I, he was amazing. And who he really was he, and who was he driving for? He was driving for Dalton's, and I only got his first name is David. So if he's listening, I just want to say thank you so, so much. And who are Dalton's? I'm not sure. I think they might be from up the country. Um, I don't know, yeah. He wasn't a local lad. He was from up the country somewhere, was he? No, he was from up the country, I think, yeah. What should you say his name was? David. David. And he just whipped it off, changed the wheel, and off you went? Oh, no problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was the kindest man. How long did that take him? Oh, honestly, he had it done in about 10, 10, 15 minutes. I'm just amazed you actually have a spare wheel. Is it an old car, I wonder? Um, it's a 141. It's not that old, I don't think. Because it's just that I, I, I'm open to correction on this now. I really am. But I don't think people get spare wheels anymore with cars. They just yeah, got rid of them. Yeah, I think that your second car doesn't have a spare one. But this one does. It's up under the back of the boot. And but, don't um, you think that they... like? Because what they want you to do now is call... The call out, you know, and you get a, your insurance probably has it included in your insurance premium. You call an emergency vehicle and they come and tow the car or do something yes, like that. Yes, exactly. But I had the baby in the car, so having a spare tire and him being able to sort us out. But I think all cars should have a spare wheel. I mean, they oh, say, they, say yeah. they got rid of them to reduce the weight or something, but I think they're actually very, very important. Yeah, definitely. In our situation anyway, it was, yeah. And he changed it, and off he went on his merry way. Who knows where he yeah. is now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, he, he, he really made our day on Friday. And to the man, I didn't get his name that dropped my sister for her flight as well on time. He was amazing. And she made it? She did. She made it. <laughs> so two different people stopped to help. Two different yeah. good yeah, Samaritans. Yeah, within minutes of us pulling over, yeah. Isn't that amazing? Because all too often you hear of people who just drive on and don't want to know. Yeah, exactly. No, honestly, to the two men, they were, yeah, outstanding. You never know. I hope that both of them are listening and, uh, you know, hear your thanks. And I hope their kindness is repaid to them because they really helped us out. Good stuff. Thanks for sharing that, Katie. If they get in touch, we'll come back to you, all right? You too. Take care. Why is it that cars just don't have spare wheels anymore? I would think that's actually very important from the point of view of safety that you have a spare wheel in circumstances where you mightn't have a phone. You mightn't have signal or just it's just so much faster and cheaper just to change the wheel. But yet they don't come with spares anymore. That's my understanding. I want to correction on that. Also, you can help me out as to the reasons why perhaps there's no spare wheel anymore. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. We covered a lot of ground last week and a lot of it had to do with uh, waste. Uh, you know, they were paying mileage for children, Neil, being driven to schools if they didn't have a taxi set up for them. So the reason it went from 100 million for taxis and uh, and transport for children on the spectrum from 1 million to 2 million may have been due to them actually being able to get more taxi contracts. Well, that's possibly it. I know that they sent it out to tender again last year uh, and many, many taxis and people with service vehicles and uh, public service vehicles actually attended for it. Um, and I was just mentioning the fact that we spend over 200 million. That was the stat that we came up with last week, up to 200 million a year now. Um, and bringing children two and four from uh, home to special schools 
when really that money should be spent on building more special units. Uh, I read today that Robert Watt um, was taken an €81,000 wage increase uh, and Minister Donnelly headed off to Dubai for a health wellness show. Yes, indeed, that's fact. During a week that saw children's issues reported on your show, these two are answerable to the taxpayer and they're off in Dubai spending public money. Another one here, this government's, this country's government has to change. There are too many big salaries, whether it's Paul Reid or Robert Watts, and had a huge increase and we're just a little island. The HSE should be disbanded. I keep saying it's not fit for purpose and it's a liability. Just money for the boys, not for those innocent, beautiful children and their parents that you spoke to all week. It's beyond frustrating, says Shiona. Uh, back 10 years ago when my children were being assessed, uh, there were early intervention teams and then HSC teams. I found it brilliant back then. They dealt with 0 to 12-year-olds and 12 to 18-year-olds. But kids from 0 to 18 are now all on the same waiting list. It's ridiculous that they ever change it. changed it. If now if a therapist goes on maternity leave, there's no cover. And sometimes they even take extended leave. Think about the chaos that causes. Therefore, kids are missing out on getting help particularly before they start any kind of school. Just on the topic of kids with autism, my beautiful daughter is still waiting for help. We are clueless as to what to do when she has one of her episodes. She's literally climbing the walls. She sleeps three hours a night, if I'm lucky. This topic needs to be heard more and more and more. Morning, Neil. I've been listening all week. The services for all people with a disability are disgraced in this country, both the physical and mental challenged. Uh, both children and adults require the services but are neglected by this country. It's time to get those answerable on air and put the questions to them. It was bad before COVID. It's worse now in the last two years. COVID seems to be the greatest excuse of all for service providers not providing services. Morning, I'm also a parent of an autistic child. I won't go on. You've heard it all before. But the messages you are reading out now, if the HSC were a parent, that is so amazing, but it's so true. Uh, we live in West Cork. My son was offered a place in Nahini, 72 kilometers from home. I had to refuse it as it was too far away. He was then offered a place in McCroom, 41 kilometers away. I had to accept that or else he would have nowhere to go. He would not travel in a taxi as he doesn't like to be with people he doesn't know. He only wants to be with me. So now I'm driving 82 kilometers every morning and another 82 kilometers every afternoon. Three hours driving a day for me. I also have another child. I can tell you one thing, I'm totally worn out. And one or two more. It's wonderful that you highlighted these issues on your show in the last few days about children with special needs. But it's the people who are in power you need to contact about lack of services. The same people have been in government on or off for the last 20 years. It's only getting worse, says Tim. My 30-year-old daughter attends a disability day service. Their communication is brutal. I agree with all of your listeners. There are an awful lot of managers in this country. We have no respite either. They must seriously think that parents and guardians don't need it. Because of these problems, my fundraising days for the organization are well and truly over, says Ellen. I'm a parent of a four-year-old beautiful little girl who was born perfect, passed all milestones until she reached two years of age. Then she stopped making eye contact, wouldn't sleep, would only eat certain foods, textures and tastes because of sensory issues. She's come on a lot as we spend time with her, helping to educate. We finally got an assessment after two years, even though we went private. There are only two places in Cork that the HSE recognised to assess children. The government, like everything else, is a bottleneck of a system. Morning, just listen to the lady whose brother has schizophrenia. 
There are services, there are services where he could be full time, such as the Brothers of Charity. They provide amazing specialized care by staff who are highly trained. They provide their care in specialized houses. So thank you for all of those. Here's a bizarre one. Somebody says, um, I was in the A&E with my baby due to a reaction to vaccines. Anyway, it was Friday evening at 5 p.m. There was an adolescent clearly going through something. I couldn't hear the full situation, but I heard someone say, we need to call CAMS. Uh, Then That's the Child and Adult Mental Health Services. We need to call CAMS. Then I heard the doctor respond saying, it's five o'clock. It's Friday evening. They won't answer now. We'll have to wait till Monday. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco, a little help makes a big difference. Gavin, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Listen, man, I have spoke to a lot of people in my time on the air who ultimately went on to have, um, you know, successful weight loss because of uh, gastric banding, gastric bypass. You've probably heard many of those stories on the air before you even decided to get it done, did you? Yes, I did. Yes, I I heard a a lot of stories about him. And you obviously investigated it. But rarely have I come across somebody, one individual, with so many issues. And I mean that as a compliment to you from the point of view of conquering many of them. Chronic pain, anxiety, depression, massive weight gain, eating disorder, self-harm, suicidal thoughts, type 2 diabetes, soaring blood pressure, borderline personality disorders, sleep apnea. Is it any wonder that when things were at their worst, you figured you wouldn't be around for much longer, right? Yes, um, it was. Yes, it, it was getting to the stage where you know, um, would wait. My health was going. Chances are, I may not have been around for yeah. too too much longer. Yeah. The way things were going. Yeah, and you know, back in two thousand and eight, that's neither today nor yesterday. Now that's fourteen years ago. You had a, a yes. very bad breakdown. Um, it, did everything spiral out of control when? You, I know you had just moved houses, so there was a massive financial burden upon you. You lost your job, and your wife rapidly after you lost her job as well. Mm-hmm. Was that the mm-hmm. start of it? Is that where it started to unravel? That's where, um, more or less, the it, it the, the, the starting point for all my issues were at that point. Yeah. Um, when that happened, we had obviously looked moving house and buying house is a very stressful time for anybody but in the middle of all this losing a job and then getting work out of it and then realizing that your your mind can't take it and you just basically crash yeah. and that's yeah. basically what happened yeah I mean, you did get a job but it was to and fro to tipperary every day and uh, are, mm. are there kids involved as well i mean was was that an added worry yes yeah so you're yes. also worried about supporting your family and your children yeah Exactly, exactly. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a hard time and people obviously at the time people were going through it left, right and centre. Yeah. And people lost their jobs. You know, I was no exception to that. It had just happened. It was the crash. But yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately with my, um, my mental health just deteriorated at that point. Um, and it got progressively worse as the years went by. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the anxiety and depression and issues psychologically were to do with the worry for you and the family and financial um, financial implications of not being able to pay the bills. That then, then led to um, massive weight gain, I suppose, as a consequence, did it? Yes. I mean, I played football and I played soccer and hurling all my life. And I was always quite big, you know, 17 stone, you know, and I was able to move around, not a problem. I would train four nights a week. But at the time when things were 
things are going wrong, um, I just lost interest in everything. Yeah. I lost interest in me, lost interest in my sports, lost interest in absolutely everything. And how would you spend your... I I mean, how, would, how would you... Yeah, you're just going to say you didn't even look after your appearance. No, I didn't. And how would you, you, know, how would mean, you spend your time then? Is it just lounging around? Well, you know, over the, over the period of... Uh, at that point, I was sort of locking myself self away a bit. Um, I would stay home an awful lot. You know, if my wife needed to go somewhere, I would drop her somewhere and come straight home. Or else I would just go out for a long spin and just just to drove around. I just wanted to be on my own. I, I isolated myself an awful lot. Um, but that was the hardest thing because there was days I didn't want to go to bed. Um, there was days I couldn't face leaving the house. There was days where I couldn't face coming home to the house. God, did anyone and pick up on all of that? Like family, wife, well, kids, friends? My wife really helped me an awful lot because, you know, she was the one trying to get me up in the morning, get me to, to, to do things. And for the first two years when I was battling this, I was, you know, up and down. But I started to do a training course then, and that sort of helped me an awful lot. It gave, it gave me a purpose. But I found that, you know, with with the depression and anxiety, along came self-harm. And anything that... Any issue that I have with me, i.e. I, I stress or any bit like that, this, this self-harming would come into play straight away. And that's where, you know, I had to be very, very careful about what I would do, where I would be. All of this had to be taken into, into consideration. What do you mean when you say self-harm? Are you talking actual physical self-harm? I would actually, yeah, actual, uh, actual physical self-harm. Um, I don't know if it's you know the watershed on this like, but I could. I don't think it'll be acceptable to sort of hear some of the stuff. But if you want to hear it, I'll gladly tell you. Well, I don't upset you reliving it, you know. But <laughs> no, no, it's fine, Neil. I, I'm open about things. I I battle this, and you know I tell people an awful lot what I've got, I've gone through, and hopefully to help people to acknowledge acknowledge the, the actual signs of it, you know. But you know I've I've gone through everything from razor blades to burning, scalding water. God, you name it, I, I, I probably have a scan on it. God, man, that's awful. And that led on then from there, of course, or maybe at the same time as a partner oh, to yeah. suicidal thoughts. Exactly, exactly. And that was at, at the darkest point. Now, saying that, like, after 2008, I was, as I said, I got into a force, I'd, I'd done a course. And then after that, I went to um, an IT company where I'd done an internship for 12 months. Now, that was good because it helped me interact with people. But the self-harming, the anxiety, depression, the eating was always there, always going on. I was functioning without functioning. If I you know, know what I mean. yeah, I know what you're saying exactly. Um, and of course, then the eating issues led to the weight gain. And that led then mm -hmm. very clearly to soaring blood pressure, type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. um, and the sleep apnea because of maybe weight gain and fat gain around exactly. your neck. Yeah. Exactly. That. Yeah. That. That really. Um, so you were battling all of that, and, and you were battling like if you were battling eating disorders, it was probably bulimia or anorexia or perhaps both. Was it? It was basically what it was. Well, my doctor called it um, sort of uh, an eating disorder where I would binge eat, but I would also make myself sick afterwards. Okay. So that was the sort of issue I had with, with food. I get so. Um, sort of depressed after eating and I get so guilty after it that I would make myself sick again just so I can no, no, you know feel no. that I, I, I'm, not, I'm not guilty enough eating 
Yeah, I know. Yeah. And you know the personality issues then? Were you were you two different people at different times to family, friends and acquaintances? Um, to an extent, yes. To everybody and looking at me, the, the, the happy-go-lucky guy that was there. But in, in, inside, it was just a totally different person altogether. Like with, with the borderline personality disorder, what they call it, it's uh, uh, your, your emotions are all mixed up. You can't handle emotions. You either can't be on your own one minute, then you can be on your own the next minute. So you're, you're going to and fro, you're, you're different stages. But to anybody looking at me or talking to anybody, this, this is nothing wrong. But as soon as I'm on my own, as soon as I'm at home, it's just everything is shut down and I just don't want to do anything. I don't you're want like, to be anywhere. You're, just, you're like a, you were like a dead man walking, weren't you? Pardon the term. Uh, be, behind closed doors, yes. Yeah. Behind, um, open the open, not a bother. You could turn on the act, though. That was all oh, that was. The mask, what I call the mask would go on in a heartbeat, and it would be like nothing as wrong. You know, we, we lost so many people with similar stories to yours. I mean, you, you fought back, you battled back. Sadly, m- many who had much or maybe even all of the issues ha- you had ended their own lives, particularly during the Celtic Tiger crash, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, so you really are, I mean, you're a credit on the one hand and very lucky as well. I am very lucky and I can see, like, without putting out, I can see why actually people yeah. take their own lives because... In one stage, your your mind is your best friend, but in the other side, it's your worst enemy. Like I was reliving things um, from when I played football. I was reliving every mistake I made, every little incident I had, every mistake I made through, through life. Every night I would relive, or it, when I was in the down place, I would relive all of those mistakes, all of those issues, constantly over and over again. So I can see, in a way, how it wears people down that that they can't. Go, go on anymore yeah yeah and if only people could reach out to you know friends relations and loved ones like you and say none of that matters we love you in spite mm-hmm. of everything but unfortunately you probably saw it as being they'd be better off without me yes uh, that was and they never um, are you know it's never the case Exactly. It, it, like in, in one sense in one sense you're saying you don't want to drag your family and your friends to this and then in the other flip of a coin, you're saying, you know, they, 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 they need me around. You know, they need a father, they need a brother, they need a son. You know, they, they need you, you as part of, of their family. So that's where it's, it's a sort of a battle all the time. And tell me and about that battle. Tell me about the fight back then. The fight back was, I tried my best to, like, I would, like, um, Strength Blast Jim in North Point, Marilyn Griffin, who's a, 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 a good friend of mine, when I was trying to lose the weight first, she'd have me come down and she would talk to me and we, we would do exercise and we would do everything to try and get the momentum going. But my back just couldn't take the work, couldn't take the pressure that I was putting it under. If I do one morning of a good workout, I would be I wouldn't be able to walk for two, three days afterwards. You couldn't even walk out the parks, you no. couldn't. Yeah. No. Yeah. And how much were you weighing in at at your heaviest? Um around the twenty four store mark. Okay. Yeah. Substantial you know, weight then, yeah. So that was like f- for a guy that's five foot eight, five foot nine, it's 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 a huge 
and I, I, I know I, I sent you on photographs as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you could see the difference. Amazing transformation. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like that, the weight was getting me down because I couldn't exercise. I couldn't do anything. So you started investigating gastric banding and bypassing and mm-hmm. sleeves and things like that. Turned mm-hmm. out that it was like it, eight, ten, twelve, thirteen grand or whatever here. But ultimately, then you found it cheaper overseas, wasn't it? Like what I done is I went to see my doctor, I went to see um, a specialised doctor in the bonds who does the, the gastric sleeve and, and but I passed myself, my wife sat down and we talked about it and I said look, I'll investigate it and because it was an awful lot of money so we went to see it, the guy in the bonds who was very very good and he sat me down, he explained everything but the total cost even with my health insurance was just over 9,000 yeah, euros. Yeah. And were you were you thinking this this could be a magic fix for the weight loss, for the personality issues, for the depression, the anxiety, everything? I, Is that what you yeah, were hoping? No, I, I wasn't hoping for um, for that. I, I was hoping more or less that I would lose enough weight so I can get back to exercise and go walking to try and clear my head. And exercise can balance your head out in a way that it sort of stabilizes things. Yeah. So you're still going to have the battles, but I, I just wanted to lose the weight because I, I tried so many times. I know what you're saying. It was, a, it was so over the years. It was a step on the journey. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, it was a step on the journey. Yeah. I think you were, wait- I mean, we know what you were weighing in at over 24 stone, maybe a 44 inch waist. Like we oh, know, yeah. we know the stories of the surgery and all that went very well. And, you know, you came back and clearly started to lose the weight rapidly. I mean, I think you went from a, tell me what, tell me about the waist changes and the, and the clothes size changes. Well, I went from a 44 inch waist and I'm now down to a 36, 37 inch waist. Well done. I've gone from wearing a 4XL t-shirt to an XL t-shirt. And I'm gone from not being able to walk around my estate to now running five kilometers three times a week. <laughs> and, you back, know, and, and, back, and, and as, the, as your back better, like you're able to... Because oh, su- your back was crying I have, out, I can't support this weight. I was getting painkiller in, injections in my back uh, <laughs> twice a year just to try and even do one kilometer walk. Whereas now I don't have any of that okay, whatsoever. Okay. Uh, um, you know, and we 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 know of your, your the, the changes in food patterns. You're you eat an awful lot less, and you're mm-hmm. you're full faster. So we know that, and and and, and you carry on with that. And we've spoken many mm-hmm. times with different people as to the types of food, which is you know you start on liquids, but you're on solids now, but in, yes, t- in tiny yes. amounts. That that's fine. So psychologically, then talk about the improvements. Uh, well. Psychologically, I can look at myself in the mirror, which, again, I haven't really done in 11, 12 years. I never liked to look at myself. I never looked at myself in the mirror. And I found it strange. No, I, I am involved with, with St. Nick's Ladies Football, and I trained the St. Nick's Ladies Football Gaelic for Mothers, which Brenda has been part of at one time. And they started noticing a change in me and started complimenting me and I didn't know how to react because I didn't tell anybody I got the operation done. Right. And Why? I, was, I was afraid to tell people because, again, you know, there's always a stigma attached to these things. Oh, he's doing it for vanity, he's doing it for this, he's doing it for that. So one night they all told me, look, you have to lose so much weight, how did you do it? So I told them and there, there's the support that came from them was absolutely 
unbelievable. Well, that's good because you had a fear that it would be a stigma. Would it be something on the lines of, ah, that's cheating. That's not doing it the hard way. Yes. That's a cowardly way out. You were worried about all of that. Exactly. And, you know, I I, I suppose in a way I... I, I shouldn't have been, but you know, it's it's just the way I am. I, I worry about what people think and what people uh, 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 you know think of me. You know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, you, yeah, it, yeah. It was it was a whole new world where I'm getting compliments on you know the weight that I lost, how I look. People are saying I'm looking younger. And, and this day's now you're down about six. You're down about six stone, are you? That kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah. talking down, down down to six stone. So like the difference is after making, and people are after saying I'm much happier. Um, a lot of close friends have saying it's like having the old Gavin back again. Good stuff. Which yeah. again, yeah. I I I appreciate. But I don't. I still don't know how to react to the compliments. But isn't you know it, what I mean? Yeah, but isn't it amazing? The type two di- diabetes disappeared. The blood pressure sorted itself out. The sleep mm-hmm. apnea is nearly gone. So all of the 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 clinical issues, all of the issues involving your body, they all started to correct themselves, didn't they? Oh yes, yes. Um, like. As I said, the first thing I noticed was um, the, the, the type 2 diabetes because the medication I was on with that was causing me fair stomach upset after the operation. And when I saw my specialist, he took away me. He took a blood test and said, you don't need your medication anymore. So he said, keep go. an eye on it and uh, we'll do so. That was after two, three months. It's amazing, isn't it? Things correct. And he said, he said, just, just keep an eye on it. And so I, I got my blood test um, before Christmas. And yeah, my diabetes has totally been reversed. My blood pressure is textbook, as my doctor called it. And I have no more back pain at all. I have back pain when I'm standing, but when I'm moving, when I'm doing things, thankfully, it's, it's, it's all corrected. So. And can I ask you about the, uh, the psychological issues that you were going through? Have all of those started to back off or may perhaps they, disappear? Like, they're becoming easier to to cope with. Yeah. Um. I like, as I said, if I'm feeling down, I go for a walk now, and I can go for a long walk. Yeah. And clear my head and come home. You know, there's days where I don't want to get out of bed, but as I said, I know I have the option that I can go for a long walk, or I can go go to go for a run or to the gym and just battle it that way I hadn't got that option before yeah. and it was very hard not to, not to deal with that you know yeah because like you were like you were drowning physically and emotionally you just didn't know where to start and it completely given up so you know that's... Uh, and again it, it, I sooner start something and I had to stop because of pain yeah you know it's, it, it's not the fact that I took this decision lightly to oh I'm just going to do this it was a long process and it was a, a process of just you know how does how is this going to affect me how is it going to better me and I was skeptical at getting it done you know because it's it's you you see people's stories and you see how great they look afterwards but there is a lot of psychological effects too by having the operation done which I never understood until after I after I got it done you actually you're able to look at yourself and you're able to deal with issues a bit more now the hardest part is not being able to eat what you'd like to eat and that's the hardest part of all of this is you know before you can eat certain foods your body has now changed yeah. you can't have certain foods because yeah. your body now doesn't doesn't like it you can't drink at, with your meals anymore now I don't drink alcohol but I can drink water with my meals yeah. like that. so little there's so little pl- pl- the place to put it, it all is tiny yeah. exactly, but, exactly. You can, so uh, but you can look at yourself in the mirror again yeah and that's that 
that I'm still coming to terms with that because I, I've I've never done it be, be, be before, you know. But it's good to to go into a shop and just pick up a pants and actually it fits you, you know, and not getting not get disheartened by the size of it or that you can't get it. I know. Yeah, I like. I think if we're all to be honest, nobody could say that we 100% absolutely love ourselves. You know, we're, we're all we're all on a journey in that regard too. Yeah, you know, I, I know. I certainly uh, you am. You know, to like who I am. Um, yeah. but, but you're you're getting there, are you? You're starting to like yes. yourself a bit more. You're yes, I'm. I'm starting to in, 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 uh, look at myself and you know, look at myself properly and realize what I have done and how far I have come. And that's to me that's that strange territory, but it's also good. You know, I'm yeah. I'm starting to like myself again. Yeah. Because as I said, like one stage before this, Neil, I didn't care if, if I was here or not. Well, that's why I wanted you to share the story because, um, you know, the, you had so many issues in, in your life. And perhaps, you know, I guess people get surgery like this for all sorts of different reasons that are personal yeah. to them. But I had wanted to chat with you about all of the obstacles you overcame that were not just weight gain, you know, and I, and, it, and thank you for your openness and your honesty and sharing, you know, because it, it could it could act as maybe a help to people who are listening, you know. Like I know I know there is a lot of people out there that have weight issues that also have mental health issues, yeah. you know, and they, there is light at the end of, end of the tunnel. There is, but if they done, can afford it, you know? yeah, but if they can, exactly. surely the state should be helping them. I mean, is there lives on the line? Uh, you see, that's the thing. I mean, like, I flew to Poland um, on a Friday, I got all my tests done on a Friday evening, whole lot done. I woke up Saturday morning, I got one more test done, I was operated on. I spent Saturday in bed, I was up around Sunday, Sunday morning, up around in the clinic. Um, I didn't have food, but I had plenty of liquids, and I flew home on a Monday. That was rapid. And that was rapid. On, on a Monday afternoon, I was out walking around the estate. That was so fast, man. That I wasn't expecting that recovery time. And after a number of weeks, I was able to walk more because the weight had dropped a bit and I was able to walk more. And since, since all of this has happened, you know, I've, I have not looked back. And, it, I, you know, I will say to people, just look into things. There's clinics out there that, that do it, but you have to research it, Neil, because you do hear horror stories as well of people coming back and just mistakes happen. No, it can happen here in Ireland as well. But if you, if you are going abroad, make sure that, that you do the research and check into the clinics. Okay. It, it's, not, okay. it's not easy, you know. If somebody wants to follow up on any of this conversation, exactly. is it okay to pass them on to you? Yeah, no, no problem at all. That, that, that's not a problem at all. I mean, I'm, I'd be happy to help anybody or answer questions if I can, because like me, it, it wasn't easy. And I had to ask a lot of people questions as well before I done this. Well, fair play. Um, you know, well, and it is hard one, you know. Listen, I'm so glad that we had an opportunity to chat. You know, don't keep, don't stop fighting back. Don't stop training. Don't stop walking. Don't start running. Don't start, stop trying to love yourself more and more every day. Thanks, Neil. I, I, I'm, I'm still learning that, but I'll get there in the end. <laughs> we all will, hopefully, Gavin. Mind yourself. <laughs> Thanks for taking the call. Cheers.
Thanks for having me, Neil. Thank you. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco Home Delivery. Extra delivery slots now open across Cork. Book today at tesco.ie. It's just very grateful to Gavin for coming on air. His uh, openness and honesty is incredible and good luck to him. A lot of emails and texts following on from last week's conversations and they were very, very heartrending. every single one of them with regards to children on the spectrum and the pressures and uh, issues that families have to deal with trying to get help. My heart goes out to all of the fathers and mothers and families that you spoke to on air and I hope and I wish them all the best for the future and I hope parents and carers don't continually have to watch our children suffer without the correct help and efficient support that all of our children deserve. My son who is now 15 is extremely similar to your callers with things in relation to getting damaged uh, when these children lash out it's very hazardous in the home. I find myself personally restraining him so he can't hurt himself or hurt someone or something else. I'm spending all my energy with my older son, uh, so my younger son, age seven, doesn't get much time with me. We can't make Lego, watch a film, play board games together unless his brother's having a nap or went to bed early. My older son has no attention, so it will kick off and things will have to end as he flips out for no reason. He loves to be included, uh, but no attention causes frustration with him to lash out for no reason whatsoever. 15-year-old son. Unfortunately, my situation has not improved. My fibromyalgia has worsened with stress. Between car problems, housing problems, continued appointments most days during the week, I'm just an emotional and psychological wreck. And we are soon to be made homeless. This nice lady that has let us stay for six months now needs her house back. She has builders coming in and double glazed windows to be fitted. So we've set the date for the start of February this coming week. I'm constantly ringing and inquiring for houses, hassling council, looking inquiries with local TDs. But it's looking like we'll be putting the rest of our belongings into storage and going into emergency accommodation. I'm so scared I won't be able to manage my son in emergency accommodation whether it be a hotel or a B&B or perhaps a hostel. My son will wonder, will he ever, will he go into everyone else's things? Um, a wander, I suppose that should be. He'll go into other people's rooms and God forbid, he'll have flips. Flips are, um, you know, the meltdowns that we talk about. Things will, he'll get, he'll, he, things will get slammed, banged, broken, or worse, someone else or him will get hurt. We can't live in a town as he will bolt out the door given any chance. He has no appreciation of danger when he's in a rage, especially in shops, if I say no to something that he wants. We need a rural accommodation setting close to our support near us in Don Manway uh, for my children and myself to thrive, not just survive. Um, restricting my older son, confining him, locking into the house, locking him into the house daily for fear he gets into harm. Uh, we're unable to find any suitable housing. We've always happily rented. Our last accommodation, we stayed for 10 years. But again, termination was given. My children don't deserve this. I've reached out for every angle for help. Um, don't think there's any more I can do. The only brilliant thing is my children are happy and loved very much. And we keep our spirits up as much as we can. If anyone could help with accommodation, they may know near the Dunmanway area or close neighboring areas. I'd really appreciate if you just please read out my email. Um, perhaps this, in turn, will reflect the housing crisis that we're all in at this stage. Perhaps there's hope. I'm just. Perhaps there is help, and not just hope. Yours, Daisy. Uh, again, if anybody is listening that could help, particularly in your area of the world, down west around Dunmanway, 
I'd encourage them to get in touch. Uh, many texts then, you know, with regards to children who are suffering. My 14-year-old daughter has anxiety. It's crippled her, her whole life. She's even, and this is actually relevant to what we were chatting about with Gavin a while ago. It's crippled her her whole life. She's even she's never been to a party. She's never been to a school outing. She has never been to a friend's house. Every day is a nightmare for her. She's been in school for months. She hasn't been in school for months now. For her to leave the house, she needs to be told a day or two in advance for her to prepare mentally. If someone calls to her home, she'll go to her room and will not come out until they're gone. She's a 14-year-old daughter now, really struggling. For me to leave the house, she'll make sure I have my phone. She'll ring me to make sure I'm not dead. I have to tell her where I am, where I'm going, how long I'll be. If I'm not home, she will go into a complete panic. Yes, before you asked, I am getting her counselling, but due to her level of anxiety, they feel it's not suitable to have her go. So I go, and they show me steps how to help her. But this is just not working. Uh, with summer coming, I would, lo- I would do anything to see her play with friends, go to our local shop on her own, even a simple thing like going for a walk. Um, please don't give up my details, as I feel this would add to her anxiety. There's anyone out there who could help us. I would really appreciate it. You could get in contact with me. That's very, very sad. I mean, I know that in the past we have spoken with hypnotherapists in this regard who've been able to help people. Now, I don't know that we've ever had any uh, detail of where a, a young person actually went. A lot of the anxiety or stress or issues in life that we dealt with were with, uh, were with adults. But I know that Brian Evans, the hypnotherapist, has had terrific success in these areas in the past. In fact... People constantly are looking for his number and his details. So if you're listening, I wonder if that might be. I mean, your your daughter seems to be okay to go to counseling and has gone to a few. So, you know, with you, you know, she'll go out. I think that's the impression I'm getting. So perhaps that might be an avenue. And I, and I don't know whether this has got much, much worse now. You say it's been her whole life. But I would imagine the last two years have made matters an awful lot worse for you. But that's my toppings worth in this regard, that perhaps Brian Evans may be able to help your daughter. There's another one here. Listen to people on your show recently talking about intervention regarding children with special needs. It is, of course, an absolute disgrace, but it's not the only area that lacks any kind of intervention. I have a nine-year-old girl who, from the age of three, suffers with anxiety. I am told time and time again that this is completely normal. Really? It gets so bad at times that she will just vomit. How is this normal for a young child? She's dyslexic, which did cause a huge amount of anxiety until I went and got assessment privately with no other choice. As I'm told, the schools are only entitled to two kids to be put forward for assessment per year. Oh, my God. You must be at least eight or in third class before you're even considered, and then you must meet all these different criteria. I would still be waiting for the assessment if I relied on the school. We've been to specialists regarding the anxiety who are now referring her to Crumlin to have a camera put down in her stomach. I'm fully confident that diet is not an issue, which I'm regularly told it must be. I worry about her when she's a teenager where she'll be more susceptible to having mental health problems. Uh, I've asked if there's any protocol for prevention rather than having intervention when it's too late. And as usual, unsurprisingly, no answers. The healthcare system has a lot to answer for and it seems that children are out on the back burner unless it's an actual surgical procedure they need. Love the show. Don't go about my details. This is a nine-year-old, of course, suffering 
with anxiety and stress issues. And listen, uh, that's only the tip of the iceberg with the amount of emails and texts that have got in since the middle of last week on this topic and related topics to it. I'll come back to some more, I promise you. But another thing I've been dealing with recently is um, a spate... And it really is a spate because not a week goes by now that we don't hear one or two. And a lot of the time, very expensive motorbikes. It, they must be the easiest thing in the world for a burglar to rob, you know, just to, uh, like, uh, they must be hot wiring them. I don't know what they're doing, but they're up and off on them in a matter of seconds. And we've been dealing with this a lot on the air. The latest one apparently is from down around the Skahard Road area. I've been sent a photograph of a beautiful motorbike. Deirdre, good morning. Thank you so much. For Not at all. And I usually don't do lost and found or theft or stuff like that. But there seems to be a pattern emerging recently, you know, with regards yeah. to bikes and expensive bikes and fast bikes. This is your son's, is it? That's right. It was his, he kind of, uh, he did his test over the summer. And I'll be honest with you, you're listening to your conversation there earlier. You know, he was one of the COVID people. He finished his leaving cert and, you know, the COVID really affected him as well. And he found the bike to be a nice freedom for himself. Well, in what so way? I mean, you don't have to drill into how it affected yeah. him, but I suppose his freedom being curtailed, yeah, like emotionally, that's tough to process, isn't it's it? It's very, very tough. And he's a very social boy and he stayed by the, you know, himself and his friends, uh, followed all the COVID distancing, etc. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't really meet each other. And he found this, you know, especially going to college, he worked the summer in um, washing dishes to actually... To, to pay for the bike Fair and he got he's still paying back a loan now on a bike that he doesn't have so he went to you get know. a credit union loan or something there like that yeah uh, he got a loan yeah and uh, it's just it's just awful I suppose if it was yourself it would be different but sometimes I think just being your, your son you know he worked so hard, hard did everything right went through yeah. the leaving cert got his part time you see they don't think of that these thieves no they, they don't just, really he probably bought you know. paid it, did he save up for his own insurance and road yes, tax and everything all. yeah everything how much was the bike? Um, I think the bike was somewhere in, in around two two thousand uh, five six hundred. God, he got a great bargain on that bike. Oh, he did really, um, and uh, he his insurance then was over with nearly a thousand euro on top of that. I know, know I know, so I know. Three and a half thousand. And it was only a 125 because that's all they were allowed. I know, but it's a 125 2021. It's a great bargain. Yeah, it was. And he was so thrilled to get that bargain, you know. And it was just the guy that was selling it actually was just trading up. He was the same in the same situation as Shane was last year or this year. So he was after buying that bike and he pretty much got, you know, what, what he got for it. Yeah, and I no, it's, he must have been over the moon. How long did he have it before it was whipped? Uh, he got in at uh, the end of September. Right, okay. And was he He was loving it, I'd say, was he? Oh, he was absolutely loving it because he was living with his dad and he was able to come out to me then in Kinsale, do you know what I mean? And why he wasn't depending on me for to collect him or his dad to collect him. How old is he? You know, he's uh, 19. I have to ask you as a mother, and I don't mean this to sound sexist because dads also have the same kind of worries. Do you ever have a worry when he was on it, driving from Cork to Kinsale on a bike at 19? Um, I'll be honest with you, um... His dad always had a bike, so he, it was either, it was either a car or a bike, and he just loved uh, his bike. And I'll be honest with you, he was really, really good. And his dad would have taken him out driving, and he would have um, done uh, road work with his dad and the whole lot. And his dad said that he was a really good, really safe driver. So yeah. to be honest with you, no. And he is really, really uh, follows the route of the roads and the whole lot. So You're no a very confident mum. I think a lot of parents, me included 
would be beyond themselves of worry, you know, because oh, I, dro- I drove bikes long enough to know that it's not really you, it's the other Egypts on the road, you know. And that is it, and that's driving a car, and even if he was in a car, I'd be as worried. Obviously, coming off a bike would be a whole different kettle of fish than coming off... You, you know, don't have the protection on a bike, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. but he did have all the gear, and he had the helmet, and he had everything, and he did everything right, to be honest with you. Now, I would obviously <laughs> have much preferred that he was driving a car, but you know, that's just the the way it goes, you know. There's a report out this morning in the English Times saying that only, and this is in the UK, only 5% of burglaries are solved by the British police. Only 5%. I don't know how much of that would be the same kind of figure in Ireland, but it seems incredibly low, doesn't it? 5% of burglaries? Well, I I would say... Yeah, I, I think people are just so... Um, 95% so of burglars get away with it. What happened anyway? So the bike parked um, up, didn't so he parked up his bike and he parked it in the usual spot. He has two, what's it called, two um, locks on it and went to bed and got up. His dad got up the following morning at half a six for work and the bike was gone. No, we do have um, CCTV of two guys at the bike at half past one. So it was half past one in the morning. Saw two guys in the video sit up on it. Yeah. Then get yeah, off and it so and walk away. Find out the videos. If anyone is uh, in the Brickfields area that would have a video outside the house, I would be so much... That's a hard road, so isn't it? Yeah. That's right, yeah. Just up. So they must have come back again. They did not catch they that on the video, have, no? That's right. No, we're trying to find video of, of different times through. So we had the one at one thirty six, I think. I know. And then Owen came out for work and it was gone. You know? What? When was this? This was a week ago today, today is it? Um, into, no, it would have been tonight into tomorrow. Oh, just gone. Oh, I thought when yeah. you said Monday last, you're talking about last week. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, last Monday into last Tuesday. Yeah, sorry. a week yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just all... He must have been devastated when he went out. Oh, distraught. Distraught. Absolutely. I mean, you know yourself, Neil, it was his first major purchase. He had saved for it. He had done everything right. He's gone and done the test. He had done um, the two-day driving test, which he actually did up the country because he couldn't get one in Cork until around before Christmas. Yeah. So um, he did it all that. He flew the test. He got uh, top marks in one or two of the areas and second marks in uh, second top in all the other areas. So I was very confident with that. He just saved he up so hard. Yeah. In his um, in his uh, driver theory test, which is a totally different one to the car one because he'd already passed his car one. And um, he had just done everything so right, and he was saving up to trade that one in for what he considers a proper bike. You know, it's a one two five, and I suppose he's been brought up with his dad. You know, the whole time his dad would have a, a thirteen hundred, so he would have a, a. You know, he's been from when he was small. He's he's just used to bikes around the place. The only thing I notice about bikes now is one two fives now look like five hundred cc bikes. You know, they, they look, do. Yeah. They but do. He, he's saw, insured, right? Yes. So, does he know if the policy kicks in, if it never shows up again, will it be replaced? Um, I'd I, I, I be honest with you, Neil. I, I haven't asked that question because I am hopeful that being on your show, it'll come back. Yeah, I have you know? photographs of it. I know you've been... Like, it's as much about the theft. I know I understand that, but it's the backstory of a young lad doing all the right things, working hard, yeah. doing his exams, getting a part-time job, working as a port... Like, was he, like, kitchen wash-up in a restaurant or yeah, something? Yeah, kitchen wash-up, yeah. You know, it's just you know, it, and he just um, and much as he, he, I mean, he he, he didn't like it. He he would. Oh no, I know that. Yeah. And no, he's working. He's um, he's at a job now in town, so he works there, and he was saving up so that he could trade in. To, he was paying off, saving up then to to trade in his that bike, 
to take out another loan to have a proper bike. Yeah, no, like a lot of things can happen here. The bike can just be parked up and left somewhere. It could have been crashed last week. The one was just abandoned and the the wing mirrors were knocked off and it obviously had crashed or fallen over. Sometimes they get burned out, unfortunately. So, you know, like I'm not saying that will happen, but prepare for prepare for the worst, you know. Well, yeah, I, I, I really am. But Prepare for the worst and expect and maybe get the, the best. best. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, please God. And listen, Neil, thank you so much. You're so kind. Not at all. You know, okay. So I have a photograph. I have a photograph of, of his bike, 211D19823. It well, yeah. it's a, it's a one two five. It's GSX one two five with very yeah, distinct it's, 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 wheels with a lovely blue rim on the wheels. Yeah, it's absolutely. gorgeous bike. And I would I, I would uh, appreciate anyone who has any information on that to get through. It's not for me. It's just that for him, you know, my heart is broken for him uh, as any mother's heart. And he out looking for it. He's probably driving all over the place and dad's yeah, driving. Yeah, they're, they're around the place looking for it. And sure, any bike you pass now, I'm looking at it. Sure, I know nothing about bikes, but all I'm looking for is the is the is the touch of blue. You know. And yeah, it's fun, it's funny because I got a text already. This isn't your bike, incidentally, right? But this text came in in the middle of conversation. That bike is on TikTok being burned out 12 hours ago in Farron-Ree. We took a look at it and it's not your son's bike, but it's somebody else's bike being burned out. Which is awful. And that's terrible. My heart goes out to anyone whose bike is is taken, you know. There's a spate of it at the moment, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They just just don't think, like, they just don't understand the amount of hard work and effort went into saving up a young fellow with a credit union loan and no bike to stand for it. Yeah. But listen, we're going to share the photograph and the details. Let's see oh, if anybody spotted it. Okay, I'll come back to you, Deirdre, all right? Thank you so much, and I really appreciate it. All right, it. don't Thanks worry about it. Cheers, take care. Text the Neil Prendeville Show now. 086-8104-106. Ah, your heart would Red break. FM. Your heart would break if that happened to a son or a daughter, for that matter. It could be the car that they saved up for very, very hard and took out a little loan then, and off they went, got their insurance and got their driving test and everything. And then you got these idiots coming along doing that. There's a spade of bike uh, thefts on Lee side. Unfortunately, a lot of the time they got burned out already. I think somebody said they may have spotted that bike in the Glanmire area over the weekend. But we're sharing it on, on Facebook. Take a look at it because he's a hard working young fella. Sending this message, maybe any somebody might have had a similar experience. I've been scammed out of money for a Manchester United game by an individual in Cork posing as a seller on a Facebook page for tickets. They've taken the money from myself for tickets to a game Tickets never arrived. I'm now out of pocket for flights and match tickets and can't get a response from the so-called seller. The money was bank transferred. I'm in the process of trying to get a charge back. I believe I'm not the only one this has happened to. And I hope you could warn people, of course, so more people won't be caught like myself. It's a horrible thing to do, especially after the last two years we've been through. Don't give out my details. But this is apparently a Facebook page. You have to be so wary on social media because it really is... For these characters, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. They only need to get the odd person here and there who believes what they're selling is real. And of course, it's non-existent. This is a lovely story. I was in Douglas Street yesterday in a car behind a taxi which had, stopped, which had actually stopped to help an elderly passenger just to get out of the cab. I thought it was lovely to see um, an overseas taxi driver go to the trouble of stopping and then to help the passenger out of the car and to help the elderly passenger onto the path 
I feel it's worth a mention because we complain all of the time, don't we? It was a Ford Mondeo 152 license. He really deserves a mention for his act of kindness. I hope you get a chance to read this out. No need to mention my name if you choose to give it a mention on your show. But it was just such a beautiful gesture. So I don't know which day this was. It possibly was over the weekend on the Douglas Street area where the taxi driver uh, went to so much trouble. Just didn't take the fare and let the person grapple or trying to negotiate getting out of the taxi themselves and onto the footpath got out and helped that's what it's all about new year new number for neil 0818 talking about the doll bar earlier on in the newspaper reports I was just looking at that uh, actually this morning before i came on air and guinness is a huge big spend a big seller in both the bars there's the private members bar which is just for tds and senators and stuff and then there's a a second one, which is the visitors bar. It's very funny, actually. When you, except it's it's not really funny because you wonder about politicians when they're when they're not having drink as to how they do their business. So when you're in the doll and drinking pints, you wonder, Mother of God Almighty, is that the right way forward? I assume they're drinking responsibly, but it's Guinness and then it's um, wine, followed by um, Heineken. They're the top three. And then, of course, the favourite spirit that I was telling you was cork dry gin, apparently. They love the gin, and it's the cork one they're drinking, so we can be thankful for that. But I was curious as to what they're eating. I imagine they probably have subsidised meals up there, because the most popular dishes are the dish of the day, which could be a joint of the day or a dish of the day. I'm not quite sure what the price of that would be, but I'm sure we subsidise it for them. And then the ham and cheese toasty, apparently, is the second most popular, followed by the beef burger. But they're buying fags and they're buying cigars as well. Uh, and uh, it's a report that makes the papers today as to how much was spent across the different doll bars and some questions asked as to the opening times of it when much of hospitality at the same time was shut. But when you talk about drink, um, thank you for this email. I, I didn't get to it last week as I intended, but, you know, as people go back now socialising, the city's very busy now. I know people that were out socialising over the weekend, they were up in places like Clancy's and they were in... They were in Dwyer's and they were in Reardon's and many people have gone to the new Conway's Yard and they were over in the Crawford and stuff. And everywhere is really, really busy. you got to be very careful uh, because you never know who you might come across. So I'd like to raise a point to be very careful while in town. My daughter, who's 23, went out to a bar Tuesday. This was last Tuesday night and was spiked along with her friend. They were there at about half past seven. So what I can make out is that she was found passed out in the loo just before 11 o'clock. Apparently, two girls rang her friend off her phone. She went into the loo to collect her. I'd like to thank these three girls for their care of my daughter, especially the two strangers who came to her aid and got her phone. Her friend then brought her to the mercy and rang her dad. She was checked over by staff, uh, couldn't give a sample. She was sent home with her dad and I checked on her over the night. She can't remember much of the night. She was still very drowsy. I rang the bar and they dealt with the guardie, but I asked a manager to ring me back. She doesn't want to go and make a statement, so I rang and I wanted the incident noted, but they wanted her to present herself to the guard station. I've done everything I can, but I do wish for people to be aware. It may be because a lot of colleges are back to normal now. If this email finds someone else watching their drinks better then it's a good thing. Please don't give out our personal details. It clearly sounds to me as if your daughter doesn't want to go and talk to the guards, doesn't want to make a statement and wants to put it behind her. But what happened, happened. And I know people will be questioning the email saying she was in the pub from half past 11, from half past seven until half past 11. How much did she have to drink? But I take these texts at face value. And if she said that she was spiked, then I believe her. Um, you know, I don't have any evidence to prove it. 
but I believe her. Um, bear in mind, I know that there was a three and a half hour period, but that's assuming that she was drinking her head off in that three hour period, and I'm sure that wasn't the case. Anyway, if it does nothing else, it will make people be aware. Be very careful out there, particularly now as more people are back socialising an awful lot more. There'll be more opportunists out there as well. I want to apologise to Dan. I tried to talk with him on a couple of occasions last week and it just got away from me and I want to make it right now. Dan, good morning. So sorry about that, Dan. And thanks for making, thank you for making yourself available. At the time we were chatting um, about issues involving drivers, cars, taxis, Deliveroo, cyclists and stuff, and you wanted to pick up on that. Have you been driving a taxi for 42 years? I'm a professional driver for the last 43 years, accident-free, by the way. Well and I think I've earned the right to talk about safety on the road at this stage. I 100% agree. I, I literally have millions of miles behind me at this stage. And, and never, am, never one incident, nothing? Never one incident in 43 years. There's too many guys can say that. <laughs> anyway... I'd like to make a few points here on road safety in general. All right. Now, I'm a cyclist myself. I love cycling. And I like all, all cyclists. But I need to make a point here. If it only saves one life or somebody getting seriously injured or one of these idiots driving at night on bikes, no lights, no high vis, no helmet, dressed in black, what is wrong with these people? They just don't seem to get it at all. I'm absolutely astonished. How oh, does not somebody kill off a bike? Now, you, you'll know a lot more about this than the likes of me because I don't drive a whole lot at night and I wouldn't be driving around suburban or city areas at night. You are. Yes. Yeah, so you're going to see it more. Those high-vis jackets, you know those high-vis vests? They, yes. They, they're given out free, like. They're very easy to get and wear. You get a, you get a free high-vis jacket from the RSA Go into Lidl's, you buy a light front and back for 10 euros. I, I, I just, it just astonishes me how dumb people are. No lights on the bike neither, no? No, if it was just one or two fellas, I'd understand this. I'm talking about 99 people out of 100 will not be dressed or lit up properly. I cycle by day myself. Now I know how vulnerable it is to be on a, on a bike out there. I have a high-vis jacket, helmet with a camera. I have... Two lights in the back and two lights in the front. Yeah. This is my day. I'm like a Christmas tree. You'd see me. <laughs> like, it's just, I, I, I'm just astonished how, how, how ridiculous and how dumb people are out there. And as a taxi driver, have you had a lot of near misses? Or near hits, I suppose, more? Have we had another coat of paint? There'd be, there'd be some people who say I'll be injured if not dead. That close, yeah? No, the whole thing about it is, a taxi driver, if he's unfortunate enough to have an accident and loses his no-claim bonus. That will be into him as a taxi driver. Because if he lived in the car, he wouldn't be able to pay for the insurance. It would just rock it, would it? He just, he just wouldn't be able to afford it. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. You know, like, uh, outside cyclists, the, the red man on traffic lights for people, they just don't know what that is. And they're pedestrians you're having a... They're pedestrians, they just don't know what that is. Unbelievable. Like, it's, just, it's just unbelievable. They just don't know what the red man is for. They'll walk straight out in front of any car as if it was not the other one. What happens then, I suppose there's no hard and fast rule, but what happens if a, if a motorist hits somebody who was walking against a red light? Well, the, the insurance and the car, whoever is insured would pay it. But, well, like that. 
would, would is it that the pedestrian would sue the driver? Surely it'd be the other way around. No, no, no. That's that's the way it is. And is it the same then? If it can't be the same if you hit a bike, like the you, a bike can't sue you if the bike's in the wrong. Why is they? Why is they can't? No, listen. Whoever is insured would be paying. It's as simple as that. Because the bikes, the cyclists aren't insured. It's simple as that. No, I think they should be insured. Like I, I drive a, a powerful electric bike. No insurance. No, I know. If I was unfortunate enough to hit a car with this bike, I could do serious damage. A scratch across your thousands to get repaired in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there should be some sort of insurance. Now, there's a very, very simple problem. It's a very, very simple problem to solve with these cyclists. Take the bike off them by the Gardaí, give them a fine of 80 euros, confiscate the bike and return the bike with a light and a high-vis jacket. Second time round, confiscate the bike for good. You mean you're suggesting the co- that Gardy actually stop a cyclist and take the bike? Stop off. a cyclist, one of these idiots going around at night dressed in black, take the bike off him, eighty euro fine, come back down to. That'd be a yeah, dose for the. It'd be a dose for the guards. Like, what are they going to do with the bike on the side of the road then? Well, they're they're random. And are you, is this just, are, are you talking about general cyclists or are you talking about de- the delivery cyclists? I'm talking about anybody out at night not dressed appropriately without lights on a bike. I, we've all it's seen them. I saw Cartona last week again. Nothing. Pitch dark. I don't know where I was going. Absolutely. No front light, no back light, nothing. I'm seeing hundreds of every night. Literally hundreds. There's more cyclists out there now than what they ever were. But how come they're not being hit? I'm, uh, that's why I'm astonished. I'm absolutely astonished out there. Because there's so many car drivers out there, bad drivers. I'm just, I don't know how these cyclists are getting away with it. I'm absolutely astonished. Maybe it's because they're cycle lanes and they stay in it and the motorists stay away from them. They're not sharing the road as much, you know? I, I'd say there's not, there's not 10% of the roads that are cycle lanes. Yeah, yeah, and you you know something else that's a problem, apparently. Uh, a lot of cyclists um, wear earbuds, you know? So they can't, they're not actually in tune on what's going on around them at all. They might be listening to music or a podcast or whatever. If they want to do that by the that's fine. I don't care. Yeah, but you got to wonder about someone who's listening to music on a bike. I mean, maybe it's the same if you're listening to music in a car. I don't know. But look. All I'm saying is, if it only saves one life, or some one of those idiots from getting seriously injured, it'll be worth it. Okay, so you're suggesting the bike should be taken off them, they should be fined 80 euro, when they pay yes. the fine, they get the bike back with lights already fitted and presented with a high-vis jacket. That's my recommendation. All right, Pam. Okay, thanks so for that. On top, on top of that, I'd like to make another comment. Yes. On, on drivers of cars. I want everybody that's listening to the radio show, listen to this carefully. Never, ever, ever drive in somewhere where you have to reverse out onto a road. My God, the, the dumbness is just unbelievable. I'll just give you a typical example. Reverse the car out onto a main road. Sure, that's what they're doing. Who does that like? Who does that? Everybody. What do we, who does that? Everybody. So they can't see. Well, sure, that's what I'm trying to say. Your eyes are in the front, your head, not the back. Reverse in, drive out. That's the motto <laughs> of any trained driver like myself. <laughs> Reverse in, drive out. Oh my god! Oh my god! Like I give you a typical example. Over by the Hawthorn pub, alongside the lock, 
There's a car park there. They'll drive in. Oh, my house does not an accident over there. Every day is beyond me. Do you ever say anything to people you come across? Oh, I often throw it out the window and get a light. I'm sure they don't take any notice. They just ignore you. Here's another typical example. You, you, do you shout at the, the cyclist, does it? Get a light. Go to the, the bank, the TSB bank in Bishopstown any day and there's a car park. Go out there and you see the... You should go out there someday with a camera, you'd have a great laugh. You want to see him trying to park out there? Driving in and trying to reverse out. Oh my God. <laughs> but you oh, see, my. you're a professional driver. You're 43 you years. Like. You, don't, you don't have to be a professional driver to take the points that I just made there. That's true. It's a bit of cop on. Bit of cop on goes along with you, know, a bit of common sense. All right, I, let's. I, I, I'd, love, I'd love to start the campaign to get a bit of. Because we all know how dangerous the roads are out there. Try and make it a small bit safer. Don't act the gum out there. It's amazing, though. You never even had a tip. Never had a tip in 43 years. And I've been cross continent, articulated trucks, taxi driving, you name it. I've been up down every street without a tip. That's incredible. I mean, I wish I could say the same. You know what I'm in terror for doing? Uh, hit, I don't know why it's happening to me, but it's getting older. Hitting curbs when I'm parking. Yeah. That's just stupidity, get, is it? Let's get back to the car now for a second, right? <laughs> in, in, in England, this is law in England, right? If you reverse over onto a road, there's an automatic four points in your license and a hundred pounds fine. Do you ever get any penalty points even, no? Never. Never got a speeding ticket, never got a... I got a couple of parking tickets, that was about it. I know, they don't, they don't count, like, I mean... <laughs> but so you, you, you would do 50 and a 50, you'll do 80 and an 80, you'll do 100. Well, 100. I have a sat-nav and there's a warning that comes on, it tells you if you're over the speed limit. And there's you don't go above, you never ever go above it? I never go above it, no, my license is too valuable to me. I'd say, I'd say you'd <laughs> your world would collapse if you got penalty points, would it? Well... <laughs> If I get them, I get them. I can't do anything about it. But I'm saying, I'm going to avoid, I'm going to avoid getting them. And everybody should have a camera and a sat-nav in their car. So, I just just put a warning out there. I'd love to, I'd love to get an 86FN to, to, to start the campaign on this. Well, you need to call them then, because this is Red FM, but I'm sure they'll start the campaign for you. Not in Red FM, I mean. But look, it's like this. If, if, if my conversation... Oh, absolutely. That's why I was keen to talk with you. I hope I get other calls and texts on the back of it, just on the basis of how bad it actually is out there. Appreciate it. Mind and yourself. I, and I, and I know there'd be fellas texting in there now about taxi drivers and all that. Listen, I know there's bad taxi drivers out there, so don't bother. You know, don't be texting in with a lot of questions. Why would they say there's bad taxi drivers? Do they think the taxi drivers have a different set of rules of the road? There's, there's, there's bad taxi drivers out there too. I'm well aware of it, so... Tell what are they? Are they the ones? That, are they the ones that stop on a main road, put on the flashers, and then just sit there for whatever length of time? So all the traffic behind them stopped while they're paying the fare and stuff. Is it? They do all sorts of things. <laughs> Taxi drivers can be as bad as drivers as the rest of them. So save, save your text, your guys. We know. I know the story. Right, let's see if they do text. <laughs> all right, Dan the man. Cheers, take care. Uh, thanks for putting around here. Take care. Some idiot's life for getting seriously injured. Thank you never you. know. Take care. Text 0868104106. All comments welcome. The Neil Prenderville Show. With free click and collect from Tesco. Now available at your local store. Book today at tesco.ie. How bad are drivers on Lee side? How bad are cyclists on Lee side? Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone.
phone. Our new number is 0818104106. And then when you do your test and you pass it, remember I was talking about that earlier on this morning. Hi, Neil, regarding the NDLS, that's where you have to go to actually physically get the license. My son passed his driving test a couple of weeks ago. He tried the NDLS in Cork. No appointment, he was told, for two months. So he tried the NDLS office in Waterford City. He got an appointment in a few days, drove down. He was in there five minutes, drove back. He had his license a few days later. For people who are waiting, it's worth checking outside of Cork. Try Waterford. Well, thank you for that tip. I'm quite sure that some people will pick up on it. Text 0868 104 106 on that and all of the business. I will come back to some more emails and texts. I promise you that with regards to our conversations with parents and indeed families from last year's three or last week's three days of programs on children on the autistic spectrum and the treatment by the Irish state. So we'll come back to all of that, but I'm just conscious of phone lines. Laura's standing by, but first up, Finbar, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, I just want to, you know, the, the Mr. Liam Buck, TD from Fine Gael, Long time ago. He's gone through a lot of pains in the last few months writing letters to the Echo, telling us how wonderful this government was doing and all the so-called guidance coming up, coming up. But he never mentioned, again, as they've done again since Fine Gael have been in government, they've attacked the pensioners' pensions again. I got my letter this morning telling me that I'm from every farther now, now I'll be paying 10 50 more again. Fine Gael started this with €5 Euros about five years ago. What was the so €5 I'm Euro for? I'm paying now thirty-six fifty as of from today. But is that tax on the pension? Tax, that is pure direct, P-O-A tax, directly tax. Now, this is a pension that we were told when I, when I sat in the, in, the, in the city council many, many years ago, if you pay it, was it 3% of your salary, you will get an extra pension at the end of your, your days when you retire. But they never told us how much we tax we pay on it. So now it's, it's becoming, it's practically becoming useless now. So I noticed a feeling again of uh, Mr. Liam Buck never once mentioned that. I got the fiver, but I'm paying it back now every second week. Are all, are all pensions taxed? Every pension, no. Anybody that ever work in the local authority will now be taxed. Well, they've been taxed the last five years. I, I, I meet them regularly, and uh, the lads who I work with, I meet a lot of fellows who work in the city council, and they tell you, like, I can't, I, I, they can't, they were told the same as I was, that you could look at the extra on your old age pension. So but it's an extra pension on top of the old age pension? I do, all we did, we paid something like 3% of our salary. And what would it be a week? Do you mind me asking? Uh, I, I have about 100, what is it again, I'm eating, about 180 a week. That's about 300. But I, I would clear roughly uh, 260 a fortnight now. That's on the corporation pension, but there's the old yeah. age pension as well then. Well, the old age pension is 470 odd now, I think. Uh, 475, I think. Yeah, yeah. 475 no that's the two of you your own would be half that each but is that taxed no that's not taxed at all no but they'll do it the other way they'll do it. if you have an extra tax they'll attack that they've been attacking it all for five years and um, but I but I'm, I I don't I notice I do notice that uh, Mr. O'Sullivan the Fianna Fáil uh, TD for the North Central has an altered award since the day he got, into, in, 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 into, uh, got elected. So if you know Nazi people, not that you have a habit of putting nicknames on people, so he's now known as a dumb TD. You know, this is just named... Oh, well, that's, not, that's not a very nice thing to call anybody, is it? It's not a nice thing, but he is a man... 
Yeah. As in you never, you never, do, no, as in you never hear anything from him, is it? Yeah. No, he never, never. He hasn't opened his mouth since he got into in, 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 that, that, it. used to be typical of a TD once him. They'd mention things only when needed. But I noticed Mr. Buck is saying it constantly. He's trying to play down that they were attacking the pensioners. They've been attacking the pensioners. But do you not, so you believe that private pensions shouldn't be taxed? But I, I'm paying, I'm paying. You know, to, for me to get into, for me to get into um, a hospital in Simmeria, years ago, my wife and I realised we had to go into VHSA. I know I'm paying 170 a fortnight on that as well to get into a hospital and to see a specialist faster, mm. which, by the way, you have to pay the specialist yeah. as yeah. well. That's the way of it. Before you get into yeah. hospital. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you're anything from 100 to 200. But occupational yeah. pensions are taxable, aren't they right? They, they weren't for years, but now they are. And we had here that... Uh, it's a PAYE tax. Uh, I'm paying PAYE, uh, yeah. uh, and they're also, they tell you that the TDs and uh, are getting a salary increase plus uh, expenses increase coming up. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. And where they get all that money, they have to get it somewhere, so they tax the, tax the, the pensioners again. You know, but we have we have a, a pensioners union in Ireland, but for God's sake, they're very weak. So that's thirty six fifty a week now? A for, no, a fortnight. A fortnight, fortnight. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get my pension a fortnight. Yeah, but it just... Sure, it's the pension that you are paying into for years. It's actually quite useless now. Is it really? It is. I mean, uh, I have a car to run that's pretty, and I need, at our age, uh, with more of us in the late 70s, we need a car to get around. Of course you do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not saying to drive around the country, no, I'm just taking simple things like going shopping. So, and then, as you know yourself, the, the petrol has gone mad, it's going mad. So everything is everything has just gone bad, but lately. But I thought they might leave the pensions alone. They no, but I mean, like, I understand what you're saying, but, like, if anybody listening to this, me included, takes out a private pension and we pay into it all of our life, we get, and when we need to draw it down, you got to pay tax on it. Yeah, but, you see, I, I paid this personally myself, and I got no, there was no tax, tax allowance on a private pension that time. Did you got, um... Because at the end of your day, you're going to get it all. But you didn't. They told us lies for years. We were not getting anything free. We were paying for everything. Yeah. But now they're taxing us. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they won't, they, they, and they won't stop. It'll go up. It's going up every year from five or... When I could I was told that it'll probably be that way for years ago. And these are the kind of things that you don't hear about. It's happened. It happens on the QT. Every single day. They talk in the morning and complain, but they say I do nothing. They, you know, we, we have um, we have a radio like yourself, now, to, to voice your opinions. Yeah. And yeah. We need the likes of you and and other stations. And the and the echo well, it's good to be able to write a letter to. But what I'm saying is that why didn't uh, Mr. Buck mentioned anything about taxing the pensions. The si- and the sinister increases in taxing them, yeah. Okay, it's okay. It's going up and up and will never come down. Okay, thanks, Finbar. Have a good day. Uh, perhaps others would like to share on that. Text 0868104106. Here's, here's an interesting one, and a, and a lot of these emails came in last week that I didn't get to because of other reasons. Um, and we were talking about women feeling safe or, or unsafe, and we all know of, of the reasons behind that um, uh, and the stories regarding that. Uh, I was with my kids in a shopping centre on Monday evening having a bite to eat when three young members 
of, uh, it says here the traveling community aged between 16 and 18 years of age came along. Now, you're saying it was members of the traveling community. I'm not saying it. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that you're 100% correct in what you say. Anyway, whoever they were, they jumped the counter at the first fast food establishment, jumped the counter, walked around the kitchen while three members of staff, all women, tried to get them to leave. They then lifted up the service counter at the next food place, terrifying again all the female staff members. They then proceeded to jump the counter at the most popular food place, a third. Uh, It's then I stood up and asked the manager of the restaurant to call the security, as the staff, mainly women, were absolutely terrified. She informed me that the security would do nothing about it. So I got my kids and we just decided to leave. As we did, these three young fellas had done the same to another shop across from the food court. And the last I saw of it was they were still just hanging around. I then found a member of the security staff and told him what was what I had witnessed and that the women in these restaurants were all terrified. And could they do their job, please, and protect the staff? So before we all say that this is foreigners that are causing women to feel unsafe, can we please try and sort out our very own homegrown aggression towards women that I witnessed being made to feel very unsafe? And it was not walking down a dark alley. It was not walking home late at night, but in their own workplace. Uh, I think you can probably work out which, um, I can't say with any amount of 100% of certainty, but I think you can fair idea as to uh, the um, actual shopping centre that you're referring to there, which had a very big food court with lots of different restaurants. But can I just stay with with antisocial behaviour, if you don't mind? Laura, good morning. Hi, morning. I think you, it says that you were in touch before Christmas. Did we do anything about it before Christmas? No, I say you didn't get to it, unfortunately. Oh, my apologies. So, my apologies. Better better late than never. But certainly things haven't got any better. This is in an area of Cove, is it? Yeah, so basically there's an estate in Cove, it's called Clunard, and the issue is with street lighting and the estate not being officially handed over to the county council. And because of the street lighting being down and stuff, we've had a lot of antisocial behaviour. Likewise. um, Especially... Um, well, we've had uh, congregations of youths that have been down in a kind of an old wasteland, which would have been used for construction, should have been used for construction, but it wasn't um, when the place went into receivership. So we had youths gathering there, drinking and, you know, just congregating. But because the lights are out, it was a great place for them to hang out. Yeah. And then what was happening was they were starting to kick the doors, you know, do not, you know, not just knocking on the doors now, full on kicking the doors and stuff like that. And Our family homes, that, is it? Yeah, family homes, and you see where I live, there's only three houses together facing a green, and then right beside us then is that um, area of uh, wasteland that they like to go down onto, and my neighbour has um, had her wall has been knocked down, the caps off her wall have been knocked down from them jumping up on the wall to jump over the fence. And is this quite regular? Um, it, yeah, well, it has tailored off a small bit, but only because I've put up CCTV and only because I've highlighted it on, we have a Cove discussion group on Facebook, I have highlighted it and um, it's just as well because I'm pregnant as well and it's just, you know, it's a bit of anxiety and a bit of nervousness, you know, just having people around, you know, the house kicking the doors. At any like time, that. yeah, at any time, yeah, I understand. Yeah, and the guards, like in fairness, like we do ring the guards and they do come up and, you know, move them on if they're still there, but you know yourself, there's not that many guards around, there might be one car or two cars and coal. Are they young? They can't come up. 
Yeah, well, in the beginning, it was just like a much younger demographic, but like the the ones that were kicking our door and stuff like were 17, 18, like big fellas. Like, and the first time it happened, I was waiting for a delivery and my husband went down to the door and they were just shouting abuse and trying to goad him out and stuff like that. And sure, the minute then the door was answered, you know, that was all they needed then. They just kept coming back and the guards called around. But sure, every time the guards came, they were gone, you know. Um, and then the big issue now is that like the lights have been out like there's 11 lights gone um, in the whole estate um, it was it was first owned by McInerney's then it went into receivership um, and if you ring Airtricity or Cork County Council none of them will, will sort out the street lighting because they keep saying that it hasn't been handed over officially and until that happens nothing can and be done and of course you can't get a ladder and go up and do any of that stuff yourself Absolutely it's high power no, no it's just not possible no and like in fairness I have gotten on to local councillors like, and they are trying to help but like it's just a really long process to try and get it officially handed over because there's certain bits that have to be done in the estate like sewage and different things like that to get None of that's finished, no? Uh, no, not that I'm aware of. Because no. of receivership, um, it actually was never yes, finished. Exactly, like we're living here nine years, Neil, like, and it was only maybe one or two lights were gone, but now it's 11, like, and you know, it's just like beyond a joke. And like, whatever about the antisocial behaviour, which in fairness, it has toned down since we have the CCTV, I have to, like, to be honest, it has toned down a good bit. But it's They just can't the get at your camera or knock that out or anything, no? No, 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 no. And a lot of other people have it too. And, you isn't, know, that, like, isn't that it, awful that, you know, that's the reason you had to put it in. I mean, it's a good thing 100%. to have anyway, but, you know... A hundred percent, but, like, I feel a lot better, you know, like, having it there now and stuff like that. It just makes me feel a bit, you know, at ease. But are um, kicking at people's bad. doors, like, what the hell? Yeah, but it was full-on, like, I remember we came home one day, like, we were both to shift work, and there was literally a full boot mark up on the door, like, you know, a proper... Like, it wasn't... This isn't just a little kick on the door. Like, I actually... You know, it was a proper kick, like, and it's the fact that they're goading then, and they love the chase, because when the guards come up then, of course, sure, they just you know, run off and the usual crack. But um, it's just a health and safety point of view from not having the lights as well. Like, it's very dark. I, I know that. And I, I understand days, all you know? of that. And But you yeah. think that a local councillor or two could get that sorted for you? That's what they're elected yeah. for. That's it, you see. But I think they're like, in fairness, like they have been in touch and stuff and they're all bringing it back to the meetings. But like, from my understanding of it all is the fact that um, it, their bit's not finished and basically it hasn't been officially handed over to the county council. I think KPMG were the ones that like are in receivership of it or whatever. But like, there's nothing being done. Like, I've even emailed people in KPMG to be like, look, these are the streetlight numbers. Any chance you can get them fixed? And the annoying thing is, is that like the street, no, the street, the streetlights, the numbers on them have recently been changed you know what I mean like they have actually been changed but like who's been changing them do you know what I mean if nobody's doing anything why have the stickers each, yeah each each light post lamp post has a number on it so that when you call like yeah. what normally would happen is you would call it in um, yeah. it's usually the ESB isn't it and they'd ask you yeah, for the number of the, yeah, the and, they yeah. ask you for the number yeah. you say is eight and out they come yeah. and they're not checking all of the other ones they go straight to eight yeah whatever the yeah, case may be yeah so yeah, so I was just was just trying to highlight the issue to see if you need any pull or if there's anyone listening that could give us a hand. And you know, I know the like handing it over takes a while, but surely like as a gesture of goodwill and from a health and safety point of view, somebody could come out and just fix the lights. You know, it's eventually going to be handed over at some stage. Yeah, so well, we'll make a couple of calls on that one. I mean, see if we can get that speeded up in some way, shape, or form. But at the same time, yeah. we need we need people to cop themselves on and I mean, not be gathering and drinking, and particularly if they're underage. Like, do their parents not know where they? are 
Yeah, like it was very bad during COVID and stuff like that. Um, you know, it was very bad. Like, and then if you ask them to move on, you know, like you see, in one way you're trying to ask them to move on, please. But like, then you know, you get some people and they're like, okay, sorry, yeah, we'll move on. Like we were all young once, you know, you know, I get it. Like, you know, they're out, you know, doing whatever. But it's just the fact then of the abuse and yeah. you know, I remember one time when yeah. the lad told me like, get into your effing house if you know it's good for you, you know. And I, I mean, like, that's well, not just thinking, yeah. No, I understand people you know, having a couple of beers or something. You know, we all get yeah. that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But like not in the circumstances that you're describing. That's just lawlessness. No. You know, they're just No, wild. no, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you're just in your own home just trying to mind your own business. And like, it wasn't just me that was getting the, you know, the door kicked in. Like there's another neighbor there. Her partner is away for a few weeks at sea and stuff. And like she had that as well. There's other people then trying to put their kids to bed at night and, um, you know, kicking the door and just, you know, just being a pain in the ass. Really, I know, you know, I know, I know. Yeah. Okay. So All right. Let's see I if we can make any difference. help right. you can give us, we'd really appreciate it anyway, Neil. All right, Laura, cheers. Thanks for that. Appreciate Thanks it. So Thank Take you. Care. Back Thank after you. the break, text 0868104106. The Neil Prendeville Show. With Tesco Home Delivery. Extra delivery slots now open across Cork. Book today at tesco.ie. All right. I mean, the problems that uh, people are having these days, and I wonder that it's very much probably compounded by the last couple of years, but this email is a last resort. I'm fighting a losing battle with trying to get help and support for my nine-year-old son, who has additional needs. He's been on waiting lists since he was four years old. We've just been thrown to the next person, but with very little help. It has taken even four years to get one diagnosis. He has huge anxiety, suicidal tendencies, threatening to stab himself with knives and physically strangling himself. He cries most nights, saying that he just wants to die and that he hates himself. He's nine years old. He's involved with CAMS, and my answer from them was that a child can't physically kill themselves and very few people can get depressed that they think um, they are not. Sorry, that makes no sense at all, that part of it. But anyway, I think the message here is that he's in a bad way. I couldn't get my head around the answers that I got. It's actually unbelievable. He's waiting nearly two years to get sessions with an occupational therapist. Uh, I'm waiting on a prescription to be written out by a consultant for my son to even start medication, which was recommended last summer. But they have no consultant working on the team since before the summer. I don't know why that would be, incidentally. I'm just jumping in here as to whether maybe somebody left the job and wasn't replaced. Anyway, a consultant finally started last week, but I've been told it will be a few weeks at least before he'll even get to write out the prescription. All they can do, all they can provide for him for the last two years is speech and language. I know so many people are fighting. I hear it on the air. The same battle to try and get help that's physically just not there. I'm so stressed and heartbroken seeing my son in such distress. I just want him to get the help he needs. In my eyes, this is neglect and really not good enough. We need to stand together and all fight for our children's rights. Apologies for the lengthy text. I am, as you can imagine, a very, very frustrated mum. I got an email then from overseas, from one of our overseas listeners who's in Boston. Listen to your show via the podcasts. Uh, Love it, by the way. But the point I wanted to make... Uh, almost since starting to listen to your show a couple of years ago, is that there are so many children with autism, not only autism, but profound nonverbal autism in Ireland. It would appear to me like as if every second person who calls your show has a child with autism. I have a child in the school system here in Boston, and I'm part of a very large group of other parents who have children going to different schools in different areas, including Boston, New York, Philadelphia, the West Coast. I've asked all of them, and it seems like nobody knows a family who has a child with this type of autism. 
In fact, I only know one other guy who has a child with special needs, and that is a direct result of a mistake made during birth. There are many families that have children with mental illnesses, many families with ADD and other learning disabilities, but it seems to me overseas listening that there is an epidemic of autism in Ireland and especially in the Cork area. Maybe you could bring this up on your show and people have to and ask what people have to say about this. If you decide to read it out, don't give out my details. Well, I have read it out. Uh, you make an interesting point where you believe what you're hearing is that there is an epidemic of autism in Ireland. Maybe there's just a difference in diagnoses. Maybe um, kids are diagnosed more here as opposed to, say, in Boston or Philadelphia or New York. Or the, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. But I'm wondering if anybody else would have an opinion. Is this something that we hear an awful lot more about here in this country or indeed Cork? Well, they don't hear about it or it's not reported or it's not an issue in other countries and other cities around the world. Email Neil at uh, redfm.ie on that one. Um, Gillian, good morning. Hi, how are you? You know your, your son, is, is there a particular reason why he can't wear a mask? There is, yeah. He has um, a problem. He's adenoids on one side of his nose and he's very blocked up all the time. So he finds it very difficult at the best of times to breathe out through his nose. And have you, you tried know? lots so of different masks? Because some of them can be I quite have. light. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I have. I have tried. But to be honest, he struggles even without masks, Neil. I'm waiting actually to get back into the specialist. I dealt with um, Dr. O'Sullivan before COVID. And I'm waiting actually to get an appointment to get back in. So that's the reason he can't wear them. But to be honest, I have another boy as well and he has speech difficulties and asthma and he also can't wear a mask. And, and how did they get on through school with then with, uh, with not terrible, wearing? Terrible, terrible. Um, I feel at the moment, Neil, it's been, it's very distressing because the two boys are segregated in the classroom. They're sat on their own and they're not allowed. My son wasn't allowed going to school tour on Friday because basically with the school guidelines he needed to wear a mask or a visor and, and just uh, just before we get said. to the tour you know in primary and secondary there are still masks in the classroom right yeah okay that hasn't been lifted anytime soon no, no. it's a disgrace neil because like all of the bars and the restaurants i've been out myself since all the restrictions lifted and like i mean there you wouldn't see a mask in sight in a restaurant or a bar but yes the teachers are going in, some of them, on Monday morning and they're, mas- they're literally like the masking police for the children, yeah, you know. Yeah. Is, it, is, it true, is it true now that I know you don't need them inside in a pub, right? Or inside in a yeah. restaurant. I don't even think you need them to walk in the front door now, do you? No, because Boys Ireland actually put up um, very interesting information there recently that they cannot actually ask you to put one on. Now, going into a restaurant, it's, it's your own choice, okay. you know. But at what point yeah. must one put it on? If you're going to the loo, do you have to put it on? No, 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 no. And the same with a nightclub. Um, a friend of mine actually was in a nightclub there this weekend gone and he was telling me that when you go into a nightclub, you queue, in, you queue up with a, a mask on your face once you get in the door, everyone is dropping the, the masks. And when you're coming back out the door, the security hands you a mask, by the way. So everyone is so compliant coming out the door. That's the way it works. So you wear, they give you a mask <laughs> when you go out into the they fresh air? They give you one coming back out, apparently, the security. Now, okay. this was in Dublin, and I come in Dublin, he was telling me. But okay. I thought it was hilarious, the fact that my son couldn't go on a school tour. But yes, I mean, everybody can go anywhere without masks. And you know, yes, the, you know the reason yeah, for that? It's, it's the Blackrock Observatory, isn't it? Yeah. That's, yeah. A public, that's a public building. It is, yeah. You see? 
and they, and public yeah. buildings require masks. Not not a, like I suppose that would also be the same for maybe if you went into a, a shopping mall or if you went to Maham Point or yeah in into well, Douglas Village. They don't actually in, um, implement it actually in any of the shopping centres for children. It's up to the parent, which it should be up to the parent anyway. Yeah. Well, and if your child can't wear a mask, I mean they're being discriminated, and a mandatory isn't law, you know. So, so he I had a tour on far. Friday and yeah. he, the rest of the class went, is it? The rest of the class went. Now, the principal was quite understanding. He said, look, Gillian, to be quite honest, he needs to put a, you know, he won't wear a visor for me, Neil, because he's embarrassed because he, he, he said he'd be mocked and whatever. Sure, I understand. You know? He's conscious of yeah, that. Yeah, he's understand. only 11, like, yeah. you know. And they are very um, susceptible yeah. to how they look, I know, I understand. So he could have went if he had put a mask on, and I explained to the teacher, I said, look, he can't wear a mask. I said it over and over, and I said, to be honest, he was very upset. He came home the night before, and he was crying. He was very upset, so we did take him out Friday as a treat. I was trying to get him, you know, distracted, really, Neil, because he was feeling like he was, he was segregated. And what he would, was, ha- what would uh, happen if he actually had one of the light masks on? He, would he panic? He, he would find it very hard to breathe because he, he can't breathe out through one, of, through one side of his nose. He always gets very caught up and I have him on allergy spray all So why doesn't he get well. a medical exemption then? The doctor won't give a medical exemption. Should be a very easy thing to do, wouldn't it? I went into uh, my local TD, actually. I went into my local TD and we had a meeting with him at the start of this. And to be fair to him, he did ring up the school and uh, any child actually going to school, they don't actually need a medical exemption anymore. Yeah, but into a public building. That's a different ballgame. Well, they're not allowed... Like, if you went into the NDLS now, for instance, or if you went into a public library... Or anything yeah. like that, you'd have to, or, and again, shopping we centres. We've had and no shop. issue anywhere, Neil. To be honest, nobody ever asks my son anywhere we go. They don't ask children. They might ask adults. Like, I wear a visor when I go places, right? Yeah. But yeah. to be honest, because I'm an asthmatic, I can't breathe in a mask. I'm going to be, I've had an asthma attack over masks. But, but you've worn them the nonetheless, other, have you? I, do, I can't wear a mask. I have to wear a visor. visor. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And I hate them. They're horrible things, you know? So why um, at the same time are people inside in pubs, etc., no no masks, all this kind of carry on? They can go into, the teachers even there, not all teachers, but there are teachers I know of, they're going out there every weekend, sitting on the high stool, falling around the place, no masks in sight. They're not but falling, yes, they're they're not falling around the place. They're just are, going out for a few months. I know, Neil, but they're going in on Monday morning after being out with not a mask well, in know, sight. Well, I know, then they're refusing children to go, you know, they can't go on school tours because of these ridiculous guidelines I know, for children. I know, I know, I know. You know, I know. it's unfair, like, and the fact that my kids are sat on their own, Neil, in school, it's desperate, like. Have they, like told you that they, have they told you that they find that uncomfortable being on their own? My younger boy is worse, actually. He has panic attacks, Neil. He had two last week. He's very, because of being sat on his own, he feels completely isolated. And also, he was on a nature walk the other morning and he had to go to the back of the line and he wasn't allowed to go in a pair with another child because he had no mask on outside. So he finds that difficult, obviously. He finds he, that he's... Yeah, yeah. And he's a very quiet child because he has speech issues as well, my other boy, and asthma. And he's very quiet and he's a very, really, like he wouldn't really be the talkative child at all. But he's, he's really feeling it. Like he's very, his anxiety is so bad, you know. It won't be long more now, though. That's the only thing. Sure, it won't. But why isn't it listed already, Neil, for the children? Like, I mean, the adults, 
you know, fair enough, if an adult wants to wear it, let them wear it, but a child, there's not even a risk assessment done. Yeah, I got an interesting you email know? actually that picks up on it. This is from somebody who says this, that our child started junior infants in September. It's a lengthy email, so I'll read it out in a few minutes' time. Please, I think yeah. a lot of it will resonate with you. But thanks, thanks. all the same, Gillian. Cheers. I thanks. I appreciate it. All right. Before Christmas, one of my two children, one of two children in her class started wearing a face mask, much to my horror, if I'm being honest. This is in junior infants. The masks have been a sore point for me since we began wearing them, as there are conflicting arguments out there regarding their efficacy and uh, more so for the unnatural view of the world it portrays to my three small children. They are growing up without being able to see that friendly smile whilst out shopping or the reassuring look they need from their parents when unsure about something. As I mentioned, my little girl started primary school in September after missing out on a lot of her two years of preschool thanks to the pandemic. Precious years. She then had to go to her new school on the first day without an induction day, without her parents being able to see her or go inside the school, without being able to see her parents give the reassuring smile as she was taken inside by faceless masks strangers. Nobody has spoken out for what all this is doing to an entire generation. To hear her say with such excitement a few weeks after starting school that she got to see my teacher's real face. I got to see my teacher's real face when she took a drink of water. Was both eye-opening and heartbreaking for me as a parent. I don't understand why teachers are wearing face masks outdoors when distance can be kept or why I as a parent of an extremely upset child some mornings going to school must wear a mask outdoors once I step inside the school gate to walk my child to the door, never coming anywhere near two metres of another person. The final straw for me is listening to my junior infant roaring crying going to school lately as she wants to wear a face mask. A handful in her class are now wearing them and I can understand how she just wants to be like our friends. However, it goes against every fibre of my being to muzzle my child's beautiful face just to follow the pack even if you could guarantee that a five-year-old is wearing it correctly, not touching it while eating, etc. Uh, it doesn't protect her. Our children have sacrificed enough and have no voice. Personally, I'm left to decide if I give in and let my child wear one for a quiet life so she can be a sheep and feel part of a group of kids in our classroom wearing them or not giving in and disappointing her every day, but at least not being part of the issue covering kids' faces for no reason. Can't come on air to discuss this. Uh, don't want any issue at the school gates with parents, you see, who are putting masks on their little ones. But I'd be interested to see what advice or thoughts from your listeners on this one. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number. 0818-104-106. Uh, you know those kids who are running wild inside in the shopping centre, particularly in the fast food areas, jumping over counters and stuff like that. If you, if you could just park that one for a while, have a listen to this. I know there's worse happening in the world, but you should mention this for me. This is for people, and a lot more people are going to the cinema these days. And I think we all have our own kind of cinema story. But for ages and ages now, every time we go to the Omniplex in Mahan, um, a lot of the other patrons are acting like I can only describe as animals. <laughs> Myself and my fan, fiancé love going to the cinema. We used to go to Douglas before it closed. We now have an Omni, my Omni passes, because we go a lot. I assume if you get one of those passes, you get, you know, you pay for it and you get cheaper, cheaper entry. Uh, but I swear to God, any time we go lately, there's people talking. Not just the odd whisper, but not even concentrating on the film. Full conversations. People kicking the back on squeaky chairs. People in and out and in and out of the movies. Disappearing for half an hour and coming back. 
only coming in at the end of a film. Guess they watched it something, must have watched it before or watched bits of it before. People banging their feet off the floor for a solid two hours. People taking fecking selfies. What part of a darkened cinema theatre screams, it's selfie time? And I'm going to sound like a shriveled old hag now, but it's always unaccompanied young teenagers. Have they no respect for cinema or at least for other paying customers? I'd say they're getting the pocket money way too easy from their parents and have zero appreciation. The cinema is not cheap, like. And I know people would say, would I prefer they were drinking at the side of the road? And seriously, I don't want people kicked out. I just want to enjoy the film in peace. That's an interesting email. Firstly, on on, on one particular level, you're going to movies that allow teenagers in there. Whereas if you went to movies that didn't allow teenagers into it, you'd only have to deal with the ones that are noisy eaters, right? They, they might be seat kickers, yeah. But they'd be, you know, the noisy eater ones that just take forever. They find the bag of sweets, or sometimes it's crisps. I think popcorn is probably a little bit quieter. And then it's the crunch of the paper and the unwrapping and the... <laughs> all through the film. It would be great to be able to zone out of those kind of things, wouldn't it? But you can't. It's like, it's just as if, you know, they become almost accentuated and louder. But I hope by me reading out your email, it eases some of the pain for you. (laughs) Other than that, I don't have any answer. Apart from the fact that we're back in the morning, our lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. Have a good day. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number 0818104106.